Welcome everyone to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 37 of the 2021 podcast series and the second installment of the post-draft edition. Last podcast, we actually took a look at every draft pick for the AFC and NFC North and the East. We're making our way to the West now. We're going to have to take a look at the AFC and NFC North and the West. We'll also take a look at some of those undrafted free agents. What are some of the names, the surprise names that were still on the board after Mr. Irrelevant Grant Stewart heard his name called, and uh, you know who are the guys that we think might make an impact. Additionally, we'll take a look at how my by the numbers segment did during the draft. And the by the numbers, if you're not familiar with it, I essentially take a look at the last five years of historical data with the draft and try to predict the number of players at each position that will come off the board in each round. And then to take it a step further, see if I can also plug in the names for each of those rounds. We'll see how we did there, you know, from a by the numbers. Can we predict exactly what's going to happen based on that historical data? So a lot of fun there, but we've got a lot to cover. So we got to go ahead and jump right into things. We've got four divisions, but before we even get to the four divisions, there was one team that I left off last podcast, and I did that for a reason, because you can't end a podcast talking about the Super Bowl champs. You have to start off a podcast talking about the defending Super Bowl champs. So that's why we're going to be talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here first and foremost. And I'll tell you what, the offseason really saw the, the Tom Brady effect happen. You look at the, the Bucks, and you're expecting guys to... You know, no, not be on the roster. I mean, frankly, you've got Rob Gronkowski back. Uh, and Dominican Sue, you thought maybe would go elsewhere. He's back. Uh, Levante David, could you re-sign the heart and soul of your defense? He's back. Shaq Barrett signed a big contract. Chris Godwin as well. Uh, you know, a lot of guys that you weren't sure. Leonard Fournette, Antonio Brown. Everybody's back. They bring all 22 starters back. And obviously, everyone wants to play with Tom, Tom Brady. Let's see if we can run it back, right? So there was some luxury here with, with these picks in terms of, you know, you can really go in any number of directions, add to some depth, find some guys that can be the eventual replacements um, to some of your veterans. And, and so when I looked at this initially, I thought maybe they will go with the running back. If Travis Etienne was there at 32, maybe they would go with him, you know, uh, a player in space, versatile option, take a page out of KC's playbook when they took uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, number 32 overall, in an already crowded backfield because he brought something different to that offense. But with the signing of Gio Bernard, I knew that was out the door. Um, I thought offensive line could potentially be uh, an area, but look, they they re-signed Donovan Smith, uh, Ryan Jensen still on the roster, and there were quite a few pass rushers that you could potentially target. I was thinking Jalen Phillips might fall because of the concussion history. Clearly, Miami was not worried about that. I actually had Jalen Phillips going to Miami for a time, so that made a lot of sense. Um, I thought maybe Aziz Ojulari could go to Tampa. I actually had Joe Tryon going here at one point, so this pick makes perfect sense to me. A guy, look, eight sacks um, in, in 2019 as a sophomore, 12 and a half tackles for loss, heavy-handed guy, um, has some good speed coming off the edge, but the speed to power is really what you see. A lot of really nice bull rushes coming off the edge. Still needs to work on uh, his his run defense gets outflanked quite a bit um, out of position at times so he'll be a situational pass rusher but he's got two guys that he can learn from in Barrett and then J- uh, Jason Pierre-Paul and look Jason Pierre-Paul he's 32 years of age still putting up uh, you know I think it was eight sacks his past season eight or nine sacks and uh, a guy who just I mean he's a physical freak 
know, he doesn't let uh, any limitations that he has. Obviously, we know about the firecracker explosion in his hand, and he's still out there wreaking havoc in opposing backfields. But look, Father Time is undefeated, and so it's one of those things, too, to where he's in the final year of his contract in 2021. So take advantage of him while you have him, and maybe you can get him and, and have him re-sign. But even if you don't, there's no even if you do re-sign him after the season, there's no depth behind him. So you bring in Joe Tryon um, to pair up with, with JPP opposite Shaq Barrett. I love the pick. Um, you know, Tryon, look, you know, he ran a 4.6, at, at his pro day, 35 and a half, uh, inch vertical leap as well. So he's a guy that, look, he, he sat out 2020 you know, with COVID and, and said, I got to work on, on getting ready for the draft. So he shows up in shape and performs really well. So I, I love that. Stayed dedicated. But when you talk about edge rushers too, you talk about some of those levers when you're trying to turn the corner. And this guy, he's got a 34-inch arms and an 82 and three-quarters inch wingspan. So you know he's going to do a tremendous job keeping blockers off of him, keeping them at bay with that, that, that length as he's bending around the edge. Something that I think will really bode well for him at the next level. So then you look at round two, and I thought that this was going to be an offensive lineman. They did go offensive line in round three, but at some point you got to look for Tom, Bla uh, Tom Brady's eventual replacement. And I think when you look at, at the draft, there were two quarterbacks that really fit the same mold as Tom Brady. We saw what uh, Tom Brady could do in a Bruce Arians offense, and there were two guys, Mac Jones and Kyle Trask are the two guys that look most like a, a Tom Brady-type quarterback. Those pocket passers, play-action passers, some limited athleticism, but guys who really do a great job processing uh, what they see in front of them. And, and Trask, look, you know, he, he can read defenses, throws with anticipation and accuracy, ball placement as well. And so when you look at Kyle Trask, this was a guy who bided his time there at Florida, ultimately got the starting job, and never looked back. And what I, you really have to appreciate about, about Kyle Trask is that determination, ultimately ends up getting the job, did not transfer, stayed there at home in Gainesville, and ends up fourth in the Heisman, throwing for 4,289 yards, 68.9% passing, 43 touchdowns, and just eight interceptions. Now, I know that the arm strength is, is under fire, but look, this is a guy, again, the defense being able to to process what he sees in front of him, uh, the anticipation, the accuracy, the ball placement. That's really what's going to be his trademark, his calling card. 6'5", 239, out of Florida, number 60. Uh, let's see, what number was it? It, it was uh, 64 overall. And when you're talking about that in round number two, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, get the quarterback that you want, that you're that you're coveting there. Because look, you also had Davis Mills and Kellen Mond that were out there. Uh, but teams, you don't really know when teams are going to be targeting those quarterbacks at second tier. And so getting him at the end of round two, that makes a lot of sense. Why wait until round three when you've got him right there? Go ahead and pull the trigger, especially considering there aren't any holes behind you, glaring needs that you need to pull the trigger on there in round two. Round 395 uh, overall, they go after Robert Hainsey, uh, an offensive tackle there out of Notre Dame. Look, you know, he, he, he doesn't have ideal length, which is why he's probably going to kick inside to guard. 6'4", 291. And what I like about this pickup is you have Alex Kappa and Aaron Stinney there at right guard. Ollie Marpet's sitting there at left guard. If I'm Ryan Jensen, I'm getting a little nervous because I, I'm owed $10 million in the 2021 season. He's kind of an average center at this point, didn't have a, a great season, but he wasn't the worst center in the league either. Uh, kind of middle of the road uh, in terms of his performance. 
And I think he could be a cap casualty. You know, ultimately at the end of the day, what you could end up seeing is, is Ali Marpet has the chops to play the center position. You move him inside to center and you know, Robert Hainsey can kick outside to left guard. And so I, you know, keep an eye on that. You know, I think that's a possibility. And even if not, um, I think that's something that could happen at the end of the 2021 season going into 2022. Robert Hainsey is a guy, you know, uh, can generate a lot of movement. I like him inside a guard. I think he can be a starter at the next level. So I, I think that was really a nice pick there for Tampa as well. Round four, you know, I, I did expect them to go after a receiver at some point. They needed to get another guy there kind of in the slot. You've got Mike Mike Evans. You've got Chris Godwin. Scotty Miller obviously has been a nice revelation there as, as another receiver. Uh, Tyler Johnson was a great pick in last year's draft. They go after Jalen Darden. And look, Jalen Darden, all this guy did was was catch touchdowns. It felt like, you know, Chris Carter style there for um, North Texas. He's the diminutive one. He's only 5'7", 170 pounds. But what you have with him, through nine games for the Mean Green, 74 catches, 1,190 yards, and 19 touchdowns. 38 touchdowns in his career. Uh, you know, and a guy who you know has some uh, return capability as well, return kicks, uh, mostly the punts, but also has uh, some experience returning kicks as well. Jalen Darden, you know, I, I think you could have probably gotten him in round number five. I thought round four was probably about a round early. But what you do get with him is, is a guy who is explosive. He's going to be playing on the inside. And I think he's quicker than he is fast, which, you know, is going to help with him getting open. And he can end up being a favorite target. Look, Scott, Scotty Miller, you know, you know Tom Brady loves throwing to that guy. I think Jalen Darden can fit that same role. Round six, they go with K.J. Britt out of Auburn. They needed a, a linebacker. And look, you know, they're looking for depth at the linebacker position. You've got Devin White and Levante David. You re-signed Kevin Minter. You brought him back. K.J. Britt is a guy who's going to be a thumper coming downhill, a guy that's going to look to light you up and uh, battle some injuries in, in 2020. So you, you didn't see him on the field quite as much. You know, six foot two, uh, 235. Um, but look, a, a guy, I think he's more of a, a, a downhill type of player, more so than the lateral agility. I think that's ultimately what's going to, um, you know, I think he's going to be a special teams guy, at least starting out. Um, but he's going to have to prove that he can defend against the pass. That's really the biggest concern that I have. Uh, in the seventh round, they get Chris Wilcox out of BYU at 251 overall. This is a guy, he runs in the four threes, so you see the athleticism that's there. But this is a guy that's battled injuries, just couldn't stay on the field for the Cougars. He's got a long haul uh, to really get back. I wanted to see them go after a corner sooner. Uh, someone to chal challenge Jamel Dean because you've got Carlton Davis on the outside and Sean Murphy bunting uh, in the slot. Um, so, you know, getting Chris Wilcox there in round seven, considering the injury history, that's a bit of a concern for me. And then Grant Stewart, uh, Mr. Irrelevant, number 259 overall. He's a lot of fun to watch you know, out of Houston. I think this is a guy that's going to make the roster, uh, a guy who started his career there as a, a defensive back, as a safety, and then uh, moved up towards the line of scrimmage to play linebacker. And I think he'll be a, a special team stud. You know, flies all over the field, a little undersized, 5'11", 230 pounds, uh, but... Uh, just under 200 tackles in his career, 16 and a half going for loss, had 97 tackles with nine and a half uh, coming behind the line of scrimmage uh, in 2019 as a safety. Um, I'm a big fan of his. He's a guy that just plays with his hair on fire and uh, you can't help but love watching guys like that play. So we're going to go ahead and now transition to the AFC North. 
And the first team that we're going to take a look at is Cincinnati, the Bengals. And look, you know, I, I kind of bungled my Bengal pick um, when I went with uh, Panay Sewell because ultimately I saw the handwriting on the wall with what they were doing when they made the trade for Thaddeus Moss. They bring in Thaddeus Moss, who, you know, from Washington, a guy who was his tight end, Joe Burrow's tight end there at, uh, at LSU. So it made perfect sense that, hey, you're bringing in guys around him uh, that he's familiar with. So you get, J uh, you know, Jamar Chase in there as well. You can still focus on the offensive line later on. And so Jamar Chase at number five, look, all Jamar Chase did was put up numbers that uh, Devontae Smith did a year later. He was he was Jamar Chase, or was Devontae Smith before Devontae Smith was. Anyway, six foot, 206, um, 84 catches, 1,780 yards, which is 21.2 yards per reception, and 20 touchdowns in 2019 as a sophomore, 19-year-old sophomore. And look, he, he plays bigger than his size. You know, he's going to be physical. He's going to bully you. Um, and he's a, he's a load to bring down after the catch. And uh, look, you know, he was in a receiving core with, with Justin Jefferson and was putting up numbers like that. Um, he'll instantly come in there and, you know, the Bengals, look, what you're doing now is you're really building a nice group around uh, Joe Burrow because you've got Chase, you've got Boyd, T. Higgins, uh, Auden Tate is out there as well. Uh, so you like the receiving core there. You know, I would have liked to have seen them attack the tight end position here in the draft. They didn't do that. Uh, in round two, this was kind of a questionable pick for me because I think there were other guys out there that they could have gotten at, at the tackle position. Um, I think this is really more for the guard spot. And really when you look at it, You've got Jonah Williams at left tackle. You brought in Riley Reef, and uh, you know the interior of that line. There's more more question marks than anything else. And so Jackson Carmen's a guy that I think is ultimately going to be playing inside a guard. That's really where he's going to be. He's got those shorter arms, 32, uh, I think, and three quarters inch arms. Um, but he has an 82 inch wingspan, which just means the dude's wide as heck. Um, but when I look at it, you know they still had Samuel Cosme, Dylan Radins, Jalen Mayfield, Brady Christensen, all there on the board that they could have gone with, and I would have been fine with any of those guys. Uh, ultimately, I think what they're looking at is is Riley Reef is going to be the guy there at right tackle, and Jackson Carmen's going to battle uh, Michael Jordan to be the left guard uh, opposite you know Quentin Spain. I think that's ultimately what they were targeting Jackson Carmen for. Anyway, six five three seventeen. He's incredibly physical at the point of attack, can be a road grader. Um, so. I don't hate the pick, but I really think you could have gotten him in round number three. In round three, they got a great pick, in my opinion, in Joseph Osai. Now, with Osai, this is a guy who started his career as a linebacker, put his hand in the dirt, his his uh, final season there in at Texas, and all the guy did was just wreak havoc. He had 15 and a half tackles for loss and five and a half sacks, but that really didn't showcase just how often he was in opposing backfields. This was a guy who played with a nonstop motor, uh, the effort was unreal. A guy that can bend pretty well and uh, has nice power to go along with his speed. You'd like to see him time up uh, coming off the line a little bit better. Um, you know, a lot of times he kind of slowed up and wasn't always that, that guy um, coming off the edge. But look, you know, very explosive, 41 and a half inch vertical leap. 10 foot, 11 inch broad jump. Uh, the hand usage you really like because he'll stab with that inside hand and then club with the outside to soften that edge before flattening out and getting to the quarterback. I really, I, I think this is a steal. I think when you look at uh, since he's pass rush, 17 sacks isn't going to cut it. That's pathetic. Um, and then you lose Carl uh, Carl Lawson. You bring in Trey, um, Trey Fredrickson. 
and he was a double-digit sack guy there for the Saints, 13 and a half sacks, but he's playing opposite Cam Jordan. He needs to get a guy in there that's going to help him with that pass rush. He's got Sam Hubbard there. Joseph Osai makes a lot of sense. Then what they do in round four, you got to continue to build on that that off or that that pass rush. They go after Cam Sample in round four, and what you have in Cam Sample is a bigger defensive lineman. He's also pretty athletic, but a guy who's just going to be, he's big, he's physical. Um, I thought that his performance there at uh, the at, at the Senior Bowl could have potentially propelled him into day two. I had him as a late day two pick. Ends up going to them off the board uh, at pick number 111 in round number four, uh, but sample 6'2", 274. Um, you know, finished his career with the Green Wave, 20 and a half tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks, seven pass breakups. Um, really, you know, finished strong there in his final year with with, uh, with Tulane, uh, five and a half sacks in 2020. Runs a 47940, 37-inch vertical leap. So you see that explosiveness as well for a guy his size. So I like what they were doing there. Uh, they're, they're second of three, fourth round picks. They wind up targeting. Um, a, a nose tackle. So you wonder what's going to happen with DJ Reader, but look, you know, Tyler Shelvin is a mammoth of a man. He's 6'4", 336 pounds, a dude that, you know, you're not going to be able to move off, off the spot. I'm sorry, he's probably about 350, 346 to, um, to be exact. But with Tyler Shelvin, this is a guy you worry about the conditioning. So he might be a, more of a two-down guy, but this is a, a, he takes up a ton of space. That's going to allow guys behind him to make a lot of plays. You've got Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, Akeem Ga- uh, Davis-Gaither. These athletic linebackers are going to be playing behind him. Also help with uh, with Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, and company up front. Um, I, I still think DJ Reader is going to be your starter, but you know, getting a big dude like Tyler Shelvin there on the interior of that D line, um, you know, I, I do like that. Uh, you have him there with Ogunjobi, Reader, Mike Daniels. Uh, you know they're starting to build themselves in you know a nice interior defensive line. Uh, and then that last pick, 139 overall in, in the fourth round, Deontay Smith. He's going to be the backup to, to Riley Reef. And there are a lot of skills that you like about this guy. He played under 300, 287, and uh, he shows up at his pro day weighing in at 305. A guy who has really nice movement skills, um, good feet. A guy that once he locks on, he's gonna. He's going to block you to the whistle. He's going to clear you out. Um, I, I think he, he, he's raw, a little rough around the edges, but I think he has that the, the ability there. You see the traits and uh, a guy that can learn from Riley Reef and, and potentially be in a position to take over there when it's all said and done. Round five, they go with the kicker. You know, I, I, I know that Austin Siebert is, is a guy that needs to be pushed and uh, – you know, especially with the way that his career ended in Cleveland. Um, but Evan McPherson there out of Florida, I think was one of the best, if not the best kicker. You know, I think Jose Borogales is really the guy that I thought was going to be the first kicker off the board. But Evan McPherson, a model of consistency, um, you know, 17 of 19 in it with his field goals in each of his first two years there with Florida, 17 to 22 in his, his final year, but that's 85% field goal percentage. Um, you know, missed just one field goal. I'm sorry, one extra point out of uh, 150 total tries. Um, so I think he'll come in there and challenge Austin Sieber. But look, you, know, you probably could have gotten him either late round six or round seven. Uh, but they did get a steal in round six in Trey Hill, the center out of Georgia. I think with Trey Hill, what you're looking at is he could end up supplanting uh, you know, Trey Hopkins there on the interior. Billy Price is already, his, his fifth-year options already been declined. So I think Trey Hill 
probably going to end up being the backup center. It, but I, I would predict that Trey Hill, by the end of the season, will be the starting center there for Cincinnati. Uh, round six, they get Chris Evans out of Michigan. Power back, a guy that just couldn't stay healthy there at Michigan. But he's going to challenge Samaji Pirine for that, uh, that bigger back role. You've got Joe Mixon, who's going to be your bell cow. Travion Williams is kind of a change of pace guy. Um, so Evans, I think, will be competing with Samaj P. Ryan to be that bigger back. Um, but he's got you know a long haul. He's got to have to show that he can stay healthy and be out on the field to be productive um, you know, game in and game out. And then in round seven, one of my favorite players in this entire draft, Wyatt Hubert out of K-State. And this is a guy, look, when you're watching the gray and the purple, uh, they're for Kansas State, the Wildcats. There was one guy with those flowing locks underneath that helmet, uh, 6'3", 258, uh, playing with a, with his hair on fire. And he was just a guy that was a lot of fun to watch. Reminded me of, of Chase Winovich watching him there at Michigan. Just so explosive coming off the edge. This is a guy, thir- th- uh, 33 tackles for loss, 20 sacks. Um, you know, just a guy who has a nonstop motor, always going to give you 100, 110%, tremendous effort. Uh, and a guy like he can bend the edge a little bit, has some good power, uses his hands pretty well. Um, I think he's a guy who could end up making the roster because look, they were so terrible uh, with their pass rush. You know, I think you've got Sam Hubbard, you've got Hendrickson, you've got Osai and Sample. After that, you know, Hubert's going to be competing with Khalid Kareem, uh, Rennell Wren, Amani uh, uh, Bledsoe. So I think at the end of the day, depending on how many edge rushers they want to keep. Um, he could be competing with Khalid Kareem to be the number five pass rusher, or he could end up making the roster if they go with six. If nothing else, I think he's a guy that could, they could stash away on their uh, practice squad and a guy that can end up developing there. So we're going to then transition to Cleveland. And I know Cleveland, you know, they had two picks after Pittsburgh at, at number 24 overall, but we're going to go ahead and go Cleveland. Uh, and Cleveland, look, you know, this was a, a franchise that. 20, you know, 2020, you know, getting to the playoffs and, and actually winning a, a playoff game, something that Browns fans were waiting for a long time. You know, when you think about it, you know, the 11 wins, that was the first double-digit win total since 2007, first playoff burst since, since 2002, and then Kevin Stefanski did what 11 head coaches couldn't do before him, win a playoff game. That was their first win since Bill Belichick led the Browns to win over his future team, the, the New England Patriots, back in 1994. And, you know, Cleveland, there's a lot that they've been building on. I mean, you look at the team offensively, the power running game, the complimentary passing game with, with Baker Mayfield, um, you know, who's really kind of resurrected that career of his, which was on the downward slope, um, you know, with, with Kevin Stefanski. And then the defense, they just continue to get better uh, defensively. I wanted to see them go linebacker uh, and get an upgrade over Sione Takitaki, but when you've got Zayvon Collins and Jamin Davis off the board ultimately they had to go with with the corner which made a lot of sense you look at Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams both battling injuries couldn't stay on the field um, you know and if you want to compete with the likes of KC and Buffalo you need to have a lot of dudes there in the, you know in, uh, on the back end of your defense in that secondary and if all those guys stay healthy then you figure you've got Denzel Ward Greg Newsom who I think could end up supplanting Greedy as the, the starting corner there and then Troy Hill you know is a nice nickel addition you know MJ Stewart's going to provide some nice depth as well so they're they're getting better on the back end of that defense and that's really to compete with a lot of those teams in uh, 
in the AFC, especially when they get into the playoffs, because this is a team that I think is built for the playoffs, built for that long haul. And when you look at a guy like, like Greg Newsom II, uh, a guy who has um, tremendous ball skills. I think that's one of the things that you that you obviously see. 21 passes defended in his three years there at Northwestern. Um, he, he's 6'1", 190, so he's got a lot. Of, you know, he's got good size. Uh, runs a, a 4'3", 8'40", 40-inch vertical leap, so def- definitely athletic. But what I, what I really like about him is his ability to play both man and in zone. You know, in zone, he does a tremendous job reading the quarterback's eyes, no wasted movement, breaks quickly on the football, knows what to do when he arrives there. And then in man coverage, you know, he he doesn't commit, you know, too soon. He's gonna turn with that receiver, you know, fluid hips, and then you know he locates the football early and that look and lean down the sideline takes away a lot of that separation by the receiver. You know, great technique. I, I really like Greg Newsom, and so I love the pick going to Cleveland. Round two, the the steal of the draft, in my opinion. This was actually a pick that I had at one point uh, going to the Browns. uh, And I'm just blown away that he was available there at pick number 53. And that's Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa. Koromoa, he's 6'1", 221, but he's that new age linebacker. A guy who's just so versatile. A guy that can line up anywhere on that defense just about. If you want him to rush rush the passer off the edge, he can do that. He can shoot gaps coming downhill. He can play sideline to sideline. He can, you know, play in the opposing backfields. He can also line up in the slot, take on receivers, take on running backs and tight ends. Um, that sideline to sideline ability. Uh, he's a guy that I think is going to supplant uh, Jacob Phillips as that will linebacker. And uh, he's just going to be tremendously versatile for that defense. So I really, really like that pick. Um, moving on from there, in round three, they needed another, uh, another vertical threat. And when you look at, at the, the receiving core, you've got Jarvis Landry, you've got OBJ, Rashard Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, a lot of nice receivers, but nobody can really take the top off of a defense, right? And that's something that I think was lacking. You wanted to see them go after a receiver. And I actually had this pick called and nailed it. Anthony Schwartz out of Auburn, six foot 179, ran a 10.07 hundred meters in high school, a guy that can get vertical in a hurry, um, was used as a gadget player, a guy that lined up in the backfield, a lot of pop passes, things like that. But uh, even though he's developing as a wideout, you know, got a chance to really shine at the position in 2020, uh, made the most of it, eclipsed the 100 yard mark twice in the middle of the season, seven receptions for 207 yards, which was an average of nearly 30 yards per reception and two touchdowns against LSU and Tennessee. That proved that he could be a wideout at the next level. I really like Schwartz and the fit that he'll he'll provide there with the Browns. Round four, you go with with uh, the offensive line, you know. And so I really like how Cleveland is is building their their draft here. Um, you know, they go offensive line, they get some depth on that uh, on that line up front. James Hudson, a guy out of Cincinnati, good size at six five and over three hundred pounds. Um, you know, converted defensive tackle. Um, you know, has some good movement skills, you know, light on his feet, um, really powerful. Um, I think he's a better run blocker right now than he is a pass protector. Uh, needs to work on his technique a little bit, but a guy that could absolutely be that swing tackle for them. Could possibly even kick inside the guard if you really want him to start mauling some guys, and I think he has the ability to do that. Tommy Togiai makes a lot of sense, too, at, at the defensive tackle position. He's going to be a, um, you know, a, a role player there. You've got Jordan Elliott and Andrew Billings. Togiai is not a guy that's going to be flashing any one area. He's kind of a blue-collar type of guy, but a guy that's going to come in and just get the job done. He's solid in a lot of areas, and so you like to have those guys on your football team. Mid-day three, 
they, they go defense again. Uh, Tony Fields out of West Virginia. You know, this is a guy who started his career at Arizona, three years there, and then moves on as a, uh, a, a, a grad transfer. And you look at this linebacking core, it's interesting because you've got Taki Taki and you've got Malcolm Smith there at the Sam. Anthony Walker, Mac Wilson there at the Mike, uh, Owusu Koromoa and Jacob Phillips at the Will. And then Tony Phillip, or Tony Fields kind of sitting there. You know, he's kind of feels almost like the odd man out. Um, but a guy who I think can end up being a, a nice special teams player. I think that's really where he's going to make his money with this team. Um, if he wants to make the roster, he's going to have to be a special teams ace. And look, what I, I like about him is he's a volume tackler. This is a guy, um, you know, 375 tackles in his career with Arizona and West Virginia. 21 tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, had three interceptions and six pass breakups. So a guy that can fill up the stat sheet. He's an intelligent player. Um, so, you know, not a, not a bad pick. I just think linebacker position now is is really kind of bolstered up, and there's there's really not a whole lot of room there on on the roster at this point. Um, second pick there in round number five. I thought it was a little early to take Richard LeCount. I like LeCount. I think he's an intelligent player there on the back end, really a center fielder, a guy that can also come up and run support. Um, I think he's limited athletically. That's really what I worry about. But you look at the, the safety position, you've got John Johnson, who's versatile, can play both you know the strong or free safety. Grant Delpit battling some injuries. So if Delpit can't go, then I think you move Ronnie Harrison to, the, to strong safety. John Johnson becomes the free, and then Richard LeCount can end up being that at third safety, although he's going to have to beat out Sheldrick Webwine to be that number four safety on the roster. That's really what you're going to have to watch there. But you do get an intelligent football player, and that's really what I think you're looking at when you, you look at these high-character guys. You know, JOK, uh, Tony, uh, Tommy Togiai, Tony Fields, Richard LeCount, high-character guys, you know, veterans on the defensive side of the football. So I really like what they did there. And then round six, a potential steal with Demetric Felton. Uh, Demetric Felton is a, is a 5'10 uh, receiver slash running back, a guy that, uh, you know, he, he was a running back. He was a receiver there at UCLA. They moved him to running back. He got action again at receiver in the senior bowl and was lighting guys up with a lot of double moves, had Thomas Graham in, in the spin cycle at one point. Uh, you look at that running game, he could end up being the third running back behind Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt, really battle uh, Dearness Johnson. But then when you're talking about slot receivers and things like that, he could end up you know, fitting right in there. Look, they didn't really have a guy that can do what Demetric Felton can do in terms of that, that suddenness coming off the line and some of that route running ability. Um, you know, you put him in there. He could be that sixth receiver, be that third running back, uh, offer a little bit in the return game as well. So uh, nice pickup overall there. I think he's a guy that can absolutely make the roster. He and Anthony Schwartz uh, really round out that receiver core. So that's Cleveland, which is then going to take us on to Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh, look, the Steelers, this was kind of a, you know, the worst kept secret was Pittsburgh wanting Najee Harris. And when you think of the Steelers, you know, this is the Steel City. This is you know, blue collar and that workmanlike approach. And when you think of the, the Steelers, you think of that power running game. You think of Franco Harris. You think of, of the bus, Jerome Bettis. You think of, of Le'Veon Bell, a workhorse there. And, uh, you know, Najee Harris absolutely fits the bill, right? You know, this is a guy who can, he can run through you. 
he can run by you. And Nick McLeod, uh, uh, you know, Notre Dame, you know, found out that he can also hurdle you, you know, who is a 6'1 guy. Um, tremendous hands as well out of the backfield. So he's really a guy that can be a three down back and be that bell cow for you. Also understands pass protection really well. So he's going to be able to take care of uh, uh, Ben Roethlisberger. But at the end of the day, you know, what the Steelers, you know, what they're known for is, is you know what? End of the game, let's grind out a win, you know, blue collar style. We need a running back that we can hand the ball off to and be confident they can do that. And that's exactly what Najee Harris is going to be able to bring to that team. When you look at what he did there in 2020, elevated as a clear-cut top running back um, in this draft class, 1,466 yards on the ground, 26 touchdowns, 43 receptions, 425 yards, and four touchdowns. Good enough for fifth place in the Heisman voting. Also won the Doak Walker Award. Why not, right? I mean, it makes a ton of sense. But then this is where things get weird. You know, you look at Pittsburgh and that offensive line. Chiquamo Okorafor at left tackle. Zach Banner coming off of an injury there on the right side. Um, you, you've lost, um, you know, um, Matt Filer. You've lost Alejandro Villanueva there at the left tackle. So you're going to go offensive line there in round two, right? You know, um, you have pick number 55 overall. So a lot of those tackles that we mentioned earlier were going to be there on the board. But they decide to go tight end. They've got Eric Ebron, and I know Ebron dropped a ton of passes. So, uh, you know, you get Pat Fryermuth, and I like Fryermuth. I think this is the guy, you know, they call him Baby Gronk for a reason. Uh, there are some people that say that he can't block. I thought that he was actually one of the better inline blockers in this draft. 6'5, 251, um, 92 catches in his three seasons there at Penn State, over 1,100 yards, 16 touchdowns. Um, you know, this is a guy that's going to stretch the seam. He'll be a nice weapon there for Big Ben. I just wanted to see them address the offensive line sooner. They waited until round three, and they still don't go tackle. They do go with Kendrick Green out of Illinois, uh, the center. Um, he was a guard there for the Fighting Illini. He's going to kick inside and be a center there um, because you look at it, um, you know, B.J. Finney is not going to be the answer. Neither is J.C. Hassenauer. Um, and you've got Kevin Dotson and David DeCastro who look like they're going to be their guards. So Kendrick Green is going to battle for that a pivot. And you know what you like about Kendrick Green is he's a converted defensive tackle, a guy that I think is really going to see a lot of action there. Um, he's big, he's physical, so you'd absolutely love to see that. Um, and, and a guy that I think, like I said, you know, I think he's, he just he fits what Pittsburgh's going to want to do up front. I think that's really what they're, you know, what his signing kind of tells you, and uh, that versatility, his ability to play multiple positions. But uh, he bends well, generates a ton of movement in the running game, can climb to the second level, under control, looking for someone to bury. Um, so plays like David DeCastro a little bit in that way. Uh, round four, Dan Moore out of Texas A&M. They go Texas A&M with two picks there in round four. Uh, first was Dan Moore uh, Jr. Look, he was one of the leaders of the Maroon Goons, you know, the, arguably the best offensive line. Um, but Dan Moore, you know, I probably had him going round five or round six. I thought it was a little early for him, especially when you could have had all those other tackles that we mentioned early in the in the draft. Dan Moore, 6'5", 315. To me, he feels more like a swing tackle than anything else. You've got Buddy Johnson there in round four, and I thought it was a little early to pull the trigger on Buddy Johnson as well. Um, but you know what you do have is a veteran presence there at the linebacker position, a guy that has some nice range. Look, he's 6'2", 240 pounds, uh, 200 tackles in, in his career, 23 and a half going for loss, 15, uh, I'm sorry, five and a half sacks, 
um, had four pass breakups, three forced fumbles, took a, a fumble recovery back for a touchdown, um, was one of the leaders there uh, up front for the Aggies. Um, and, and you look at that linebacker position, you've got Devin Bush. They brought back Vince Williams. Uh, they need some athleticism there. So Buddy Johnson's going to compete with guys like uh, Ulysses Gilbert, Marcus Allen, Robert Spillane to be that the third linebacker there along the, the inside of that defense. In round five, curious pick. They took Isaiah Loudermilk out of Wisconsin, pick number 156 overall, uh, 6'7", 290-ish. Uh, he, he's actually dropped his weight down to 273. Um, but the issue with Loudermilk for me was I never saw the production match the potential. So I thought that there was a chance he might not even get drafted. And when you look at his stat line, uh, you know, 62 total tackles, 12 tackles for loss, eight sacks. So when he was in the game, he could be productive. Um, you know, eight pass breakups as well. But, you know, again, you know, you worry about some of the injury concerns too. Uh, just 31 um, total games played in four seasons there with Wisconsin. So you worry about that. Um, I, I just, I thought that was a little too soon to go with Isaiah Loudermilk, especially when you look at that, that line. Uh, they've got Hayward, Cam Hayward. They've got Stefan Tuitt. Um, you know, Chris Wormley's there on that line, but there there is a need there. I just thought there could have possibly been some other guys that they could have selected there um, at that defensive end position. And if we look at, at that role, if I can get to it here, when I scroll down and we take a look at Pittsburgh, ladder milk there at the tackle. So uh, Davion Nixon was a guy that ended up going to the Panthers uh, later on, you know, just a couple of picks later, uh, Marlon Tuipolotu, they're out of USC, um, you know, and really they, they could have possibly even traded up and gone after a guy like Taquan Graham. I would have liked that a little bit better. You know, if you were going to target Isaiah Loudermilk, you probably could have had him in round six, possibly even round seven. So uh, I thought that was a bit of a reach. Uh, but then we get back to the picks, and in round six, this was a guy who I thought the Steelers were definitely going to be targeting, and that's Quincy Roche out of uh, Miami by way of, of Temple. 30 and a half tackle, I'm um, sorry, 30 and a half sacks in his career. This guy is going to be an, a situational uh, edge rusher. Uh, you've got TJ Watt, you've got Alex Highsmith, who are the starters there off the edge. They don't have any depth at that outside linebacker position. And I think Quincy Roche is going to offer some of that pass rush ability. He's not going to play with his hand in the dirt. He has to play in space coming off the edge. So 34 outside linebacker makes a lot of sense. Trey Norwood in round seven, uh, 245 overall. This is a guy, he's not going to push the, you know, really uh, move the needle here. I thought they could have gone after a corner sooner. Uh, you've got Joe Hayden on one side. Justin Lane got in trouble with the law. Uh, Cameron Sutton is back as the, as the nickel. You just, you needed another guy. And I thought they, they just waited too long to go after Trey Norwood. And look, you know, Norwood was a guy who, you know, he, he had an up and down career there at OU. Um, you know, a guy who I, I think is going to be a special teams guy on this roster more than anything else. He has decent size, six foot one ninety two. Uh, I, I think really what did it for them was the five interceptions in 2020, 14 total pass breakups in his career. Has some versatility because he he can also play safety. Um, but again, I, I thought they should have gone corner sooner. And then. 254 overall, my favorite punter, the Ray Guy Award winner. Uh, you get Presley Harvin the third. 
I think he's going to end up beating out Jordan Beria as the, the starting punter. This is a dude that shoots moonbeams. I mean, he, he can absolutely crush the football. Uh, he's a lot of fun to watch at that you know, as the punter. So I, I really like that pick there at the end of the draft. Um, you know, so they, they saw a potential need there. So I'm not going to hate on him for, for taking a punter uh, in round number seven, especially because I think he can play that, that field position game uh, with a lot of those bombs just crushing football. So um, I'm okay with that pick overall. Which takes us to Baltimore, the Ravens. And look, the Ravens ended up with two first round picks. And, and why uh, does that really matter? You know, why, why is that key? Well, really what you're looking at with this team is um, they needed to address that offensive line. Um, you know, they, they traded away Orlando Brown, um, who ultimately said, I'm a left tackle after filling in for Ronnie Stanley. He goes to the Chiefs, so you get the Chiefs 31st overall pick, and they already knew in their back pocket that they were going to be signing Alejandro Villanueva to take over that right tackle position. So you know, ESPN had already reported that, and that that was going to happen. So we knew that they weren't going to address the offensive line, but you needed a receiver. You needed to address the pass rush, and that's exactly what they did. And uh, I, I, I like the first pick, you know, especially with Rashad Bateman. Um, you've got Sammy Watkins, uh, but look, you had the worst um, passing attack in the league a season ago. Um, you know, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown is your showcase. He's the number one guy. You bring in Sammy Watkins, like I said, to kind of be that number two receiver. And they ended up getting two receivers in this draft that I think are going to end up being favorite targets of Lamar Jackson. Take some pressure off of Hollywood Brown and Mark uh, Mark Andrews, the two Oklahoma Sooners on that roster. And what you have with um, Rashad Bateman is a potential playmaker in you know in uh, the former Golden Gopher. You know, this is a guy who was the Big Ten. Um, Wide receiver of the year in 2019, and a guy who, you know, look, you know, 60 receptions, 1,289 yards, average 20.3 yards per catch, and 11 touchdowns. This is a guy who is he wins off the line of scrimmage, crisp route running to gain separation, uh, tremendous fighting through contact, can attack the football in the air. But really, what you see is is a lot of the slants. This guy was a, a savant when it came to running slants, being able to get open off the line, but then. After that, you know, you had that quick, quick acceleration, lateral agility to avoid uh, defenders and, and run away from them. But then, because he was able to run those slants so well, you saw a lot of sluggers. You saw a lot of double moves, and uh, you know, just really excelled in that way as well. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of people were worrying about his top end speed. Well, what does he do? He goes out and runs a sub 4:440 at the Exos Combine, 6:2:210. Love the pick, and I know that Lamar Jackson did as well. Um, the second pick in round one, they go with uh, Odafe Owe. Um, you might have known him as, as Jason Owe there at Penn State. And look, I, I can't knock what Owe did there at, at Penn State in terms of the athleticism and a lot of the excitement that he had, that, that really he, he generated because of what he was doing. You know, 6'5", 252, and he goes out and runs a, a 4'3", 6'40", 39-inch vertical leap, and 11'2", uh, broad jump. So that's going to make you, you know, really take notice. In 2019, post five sacks, but that's on a roster that included Yitro Gross Matos and Micah Parsons. When he was the guy and Penn State was relying on him, not a single sack through seven games. Now he has you know tremendously long arms, 34 and a half inch arms that's gonna allow him to you know really take advantage of that length. And this is a guy who I think 
uh, can get into the backfield in a hurry as an edge rusher. Uh, you know, he kind of reminds you of, of Daniil Hunter. You know, Bleacher Report, you know, talked about uh, about this quite a bit. And, you know, Daniil Hunter had just one and a half sacks in his junior season there at LSU, five and a half total in his career, then becomes a force at Minnesota, posting three double-digit sack seasons in, in five years in the league. So Owe, could he be that guy? Or is, you know, is he bust, you know, has bust written all over him? I, in good conscience, a guy that you know, ended up with no sacks, I could not put him in my first round. I had him coming off the board in round two. We'll see if, if Baltimore can ultimately coach him up and get the most out of him. Because look, you know, the pass rush really took a hit when you lose both Yannick Ngakwe and Matt Judon. You know, Matt Judon led the team in sacks with six. And that's the lowest total since 2015 when Elvis Dumerville led the team in sacks with six. And uh, they needed to get somebody with their pass rush. Pernell McPhee and Tyus Bowser, they're nice you know, pieces there, but they needed another guy that could help with that pass rush. In round three, they address that offensive line. They get Ben Cleveland. Ben Cleveland's a big dude. He's, he's really athletic as well. You know, A lot more athletic than I really was giving him credit for. A guy that just kind of lived on that offensive line uh, there at Georgia. Uh, played in 52 games, you know, started over half of them. Um, and, and a guy for me, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, 6'4, 314, ran a 48540 at his pro day, you know, which is tremendous for his size. Um, you know, really strong and powerful at the point of attack. Um, and I look at that left guard position, I think that's ultimately where he's going to go. And look, Bradley Bozeman. He's going to move back to his natural position. That natural position is at center. That's what he played at uh, at Alabama, and uh, you know. So I, I think this is a pick where Cleveland. You're going to see him uh, provide some power there, and you get him. Um, you know, opposite Kevin Zeitler, you've got Alejandro Villanueva and Ronnie Stanley there at left tackle. You're really solidifying that offensive line up front. Thought it was a great pick. Uh, you've got some athleticism there in Brandon Stevens there. The corner um, from UCLA he was a former running back, moves to SMU. Ten pass breakups this past season. Uh, a guy who I think is still developing. But when you look at that, uh, that, that corner position, you've got Marcus Peters. You've got Marlon Humphrey. Uh, this is a guy who can end up, you know, Jimmy Smith is starting to get a l- little old in the tooth. Um, so it's interesting to see, you know, will he play safety? Will he play corner? Um, you know, it'll be interesting. But I think he provides some nice depth. Um, round four is where you get Tylen Wallace, one of my favorite players in this draft. Uh, a guy who I thought had had the potential to end up coming off the board in round two. You get him in round four, so that's a tremendous value in my opinion. Um, ultimately, I, I think I had him coming off the board in round number three. And uh, what you have there is a guy, he's six foot 190. Breakout sophomore season, 86 catches, over 1,400 yards, 12 touchdowns, Bolitnikoff Award finalist, and then plays uh, nine games, 903 yards as a junior, looking to have a big season there, and then an ACL injury cuts the season short. Battled injuries in 2020, still ended up with 922 yards, plays bigger than his size, enjoys the physicality on the outside, creates late separation, adjusting well to the ball, attacking it in the air. Uh, ran a sub 4440 at his pro day, which shows, hey, you know what, he's back and he's ready and means business. Fully healthy now. Uh, round five, he had two picks, both on defense. Sean Wade, look, you know, this was a guy who could have come out and been a first round pick, decides to come back to school. 
opted out with when Big Ten was talking about they weren't going to have a season, decides he's going to play, and then just kind of had a disastrous season. You know, I think the last thing that everybody remembers is him chasing after Devontae Smith and looking like he was in slow motion. He's going to have to prove that he can be a guy that can still line up in the slot and play, uh, play the safety position. That's really where his home's going to be. Uh, a guy who used to you know, be that a first-round potential falls all the way to round five. Could potentially be a steal if he can live up to that potential. Dalen Hayes there out of Notre Dame, 171 overall. A workmanlike guy, workmanlike approach. He'll, you know, I think he'll end up looking as a as a, a, a rush end. And at first, I wasn't really expecting him to be a guy that would be a um, an outside linebacker. He's 6'4", 260 pounds. And to me, didn't strike me as a guy that would fit in that 34 defense. But when I think about it, Pernell McPhee didn't really either coming out of Mississippi State. 6'3", 280 pounds. So, uh, you know, I want to give it a chance and see what he can do there coming off the edge. And, and if he does come in there, that really solidifies that line because you already have Jalen Ferguson backing up McPhee and Bowser. You get Owe and then Hayes. That really kind of has it the, that, that defense set. Um and then the last pick in round five, you have to love uh, Ben Mason out of Michigan. This is the fullback. You know, a guy. If you love you know, that fullback position, a guy that's just going to light people up, follow Ben Mason to daylight. But you know, he has decent hands. He's a guy that can run the football a little bit. I think Baltimore is going to fall in love with Ben Mason because look, Baltimore's had their share of really solid uh, fullbacks. Ben Mason's going to be the next one, so be on the lookout for him. Again, a lot of fun to watch for sure. Which is then going to take us to the NFC North. And when we talk about the NFC North, really the first team that we have to talk about are the Detroit Lions. Now look, the Detroit Lions, there was some talk that maybe they were going to go after a quarterback with Jared Goff sitting there, but I think you give Jared Goff a year in the system, see what he can do, and then decide, you know, if ultimately you're going to move on from from Jared Goff. You know, there's some other quarterbacks there that we'll be talking about in the 2022 draft. Um, I I think not going quarterback made sense um, for, for Detroit. Really what you're looking at, I thought they were going to go receiver, and the fact that they didn't go receiver, um, you know, really until round number four was a huge surprise. Um, you, you look at it, uh, they've got Brashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams that you brought in, but you lost Kenny Galladay, you lost Marvin Jones, you lost Danny Amendola, Mohamed Sanu. Uh, so you're really rebuilding that receiving core, and to wait that long you know, was a huge shock to me. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I, at one point I actually had Panay Sewell going to Detroit, and it makes a lot of sense. You play him there at right tackle, Halapu, uh, Pulivati Vaitai likely going to kick inside to guard, um, so you needed that right tackle. Panay Sewell makes a lot of sense. You know, this is a dude who's the Outland Trophy at night, uh, award winner at 19 years of age in 2019. Um, makes a lot of sense there. You know, the interior of that line, they, they needed to get better up front. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, it was painfully obvious there with, with Detroit was, you know, the interior of that line, they, they, they couldn't put pressure on the quarterback either. Um, so that, that, that was one part of the problem, but the 26th in the league in sacks, 28th in the league against the run, and you know, Danny Shelton, you know, he's, he was gone, and uh, same with, uh, with Nick Williams, although they did bring Nick Williams back, 
You, you trade for Michael Brockers, but you needed another D tackle. They go with Levi Amuzurike, and this is a guy who I think, you know, high football IQ, uh, a guy that definitely moves is going to move the needle there for them. And uh, look, you know, Muzurike, some people were talking about him possibly as a first rounder. They get him at number 41 overall, and uh, a guy has a high football IQ. Um, this is a great, you know, tremendous punch off the ball, great job controlling his man, will bench press him to get off the block, and that uh, can be devastating when he arrives at the football. If he can keep that pad level low, he can be very explosive when he stands up you know he's real, real easy to block 6'3 294 out of Washington that's going to help shore up the interior of that defense and then Aleem McNeil they get him in round number three I actually had him penciled in going to the lines at one point um, before I, I changed things up a little bit with my mock draft but Aleem McNeil 6'3 320 pounds and look, he's not only stout against the run, but he can also rush the passer. 10 sacks in just three seasons with the NC State Wolfpack. Um, most impressive play came against Virginia. Saw as many as three blockers in his face. Kept his eyes on the quarterback, though. Got in the throwing lane, tipped the ball to himself, returned the ball 18 yards for a score. Athletic as heck. You play him next to Michael Brockers. And so you've got three guys there on that defensive line that can really plug the interior of that line. Uh, round three, they go corner. And look, they, they have Jeff Jeff Okuda on one side, Amani Oruwarie on the opposite side. They needed a number three corner, and they get that with uh, Ifatu Melifanwu. Uh, his brother Obi was a second-round pick coming out of UConn. Uh, and Melifanwu, he's got a, t- a ton of length, but he, he you know, and he's 6'3", 213 pounds, but when you think about him, he is actually pretty fluid, and you don't see a ton of wasted movement with him. Um, so I think that's really good value there in round three, especially you're going to go up against the likes of Aaron Rodgers twice a year. You need to have some size there at that cornerback position. So I, I like the pick there. Two picks in round four that I love, absolutely love. And, and Amon Ra St. Brown, they waited until round four to get a receiver. I actually had Amon Ra coming to them as a, a really the second receiver option for them, thinking that they were going to get one of the big three receivers. Uh, either Chase, Devontae Smith, or, or Jalen Waddell in, in round one. But what you have in Amon Ross St. Brown, a guy who was a 1,000-yard receiver as a sophomore in 2019, led the Pac-12 in receptions with 41 in 2020, a guy who was tremendously reliable for Keaton Slovis, a guy that just knew how to get open, tremendous route runner, very sudden as a receiver, um, you know, very intelligent. You know, this is a guy who speaks five languages. Um, you know, And what you loved was he'd find the void in the, in the defense, a guy that would come back to his quarterback, always made sure that he was in a play, in a position to make a play on the football. Love the pick. Derek Barnes out of Purdue, inside linebacker. When you look at that linebacker position, you knew that they, they needed to do something. You've got Jamie Collins as your as your, uh, your Sam. Jelani Tavai in the middle really hasn't done a whole lot to impress um, since being taken in the, in the second round a couple of years ago. And with Derek Barnes, this is a guy who started as an outside linebacker and then as a junior moves, uh, moves to defensive end, and uh, so th- this is kind of the tale. In 2018 at linebacker, 92 uh, tackles, eight going for loss, three sacks. They need There's a need there for the Boilermakers at defensive end in 2019. He puts his hand in the dirt, 63 tackles, so tremendously active as a defensive end, uh, 11 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks. And then they move him to inside backer and through six games, 54 tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, gets a pick, playing there on the interior. Very, you know, a guy that just... He's he's versatile, obviously, very athletic, and I'm a huge fan. You know, I, I think this is a guy who's going to end up being a starter 
Uh, I'm glad that he went in um, in round number four. That's where I, I was expecting him to come off the board. Um, surprising athleticism. Ran a 4.5740, 37-inch vertical leap. Um, you know, he and look, let's talk about what he can do. You know, lateral agility to scrape over the top on run plays. He can fill gaps coming downhill. Surprising hips dropping into coverage. I think he's a guy who's who's you know he'll he'll be a starter there for them on that on that uh, linebacking core whether it's um, you know at the will or or the mic I think ultimately Derek Barnes will be a starter there for the Lions and then look Carryon Johnson's gone they needed another running back you've got uh, DeAndre Swift you've got Jamal Williams and then you bring in Jamar Jefferson there out of Oregon State a guy who uh, really was a breakout performer um, I don't think people were expecting him to be all that fast and then you put on the film against Oregon and here he is you know a home run threat splitting the defense running by two uh, defensive backs there for the Ducks and this is a guy you know, really burst on the scene as a freshman over 1300 yards on the ground 12 touchdowns 25 receptions as well uh, 27 total touchdowns in his career this is a guy who I think is going to be versatile, be one of those change of pace backs, a guy that's going to be a weapon there on third down. I think that's a nice pick and a guy who I, I think is going to make the roster uh, as a seventh round pick, number 257 overall. So you move on from Detroit, you're going to go take a look at, at Minnesota next. In Minnesota, you know, I was debating whether or not this is going to, I think everybody was, is it going to be a defensive end or is it going to be a an offensive lineman? And ultimately they... They trade back, you know, and, and I, I actually had them taking Elijah Vera Tucker at 14. I thought that was about where Vera Tucker was going to come off the board. The Jets trade up and get him. They trade back, and at one point I actually had Minnesota taking Christian Derisaw, who could be the um, the top pass protector in this draft, pure pass uh, pass protector in the draft. Um, you know, they get him at 23. I think that's perfect value for him. Um, and so I, I love what they did there. I love that pick. And uh, when you're talking about Derrissaw, 6'5", 314 pounds. Um, the, the, the junior, a guy that didn't give up any sacks in uh, in the last last two years of, of uh, you know, playing there at Virginia Tech with the Hokies. And when you talk about that offensive line, you know, they gave up, according to Pro Football Focus, they gave up 172 of the 214 pressures allowed. Um, which is 11th highest in the league. And when you look at it, they've already spent two first, uh, two second round picks. You know, Brian O'Neill at right tackle in 2018, Ezra Cleveland in 2020. Uh, Ezra Cleveland, if you recall, played left tackle at Boise State. I think the fact that they're going with Derisaw means he's staying at, inside a guard. I don't think they're expecting him to go outside. And then they they get a, used a first rounder on Garrett Bradbury, the center there in 2019. So. You know, you lose Riley Reef. You needed a tackle, and obviously, Derisaw makes a lot of sense. And you got tremendous value for him by by trading back. Um, I, I thought that was nicely done there by by Minnesota. In round number three, because they didn't have a pick in round two, they go after Kellen Mond. And look, this is the team that had 11 uh, draft picks. And when you look at this draft, there were a few reaches, but they also hit as well. I thought Kellen Mond in round three, you know, you needed another quarterback you know, on the roster and a guy that could potentially take over for Kirk Cousins. And Kellen Mond, what you have here with, with Kellen is a guy who is, is tremendously... Um, you know, he's, he's tremendously experienced. You know, he's also very athletic as well. He's a dual threat guy. Um, 
you know, and when we talk about him, you know, he's a four-year starter, 31 and 13 record. And look, he's a career record holder in total offense, passing yards, passing touchdowns, completions, and attempts uh, for the Aggies. And, uh, you know, 1,609 career yards on the ground and 22 touchdowns. Um, a guy who's a 59% career passer, but he improved in his completion percentage every year, year over year, 63.6%. Uh, cut down on his mistakes with just three of his 27 career interceptions coming in a senior season. Um, but when you watch, you know, like a senior bowl performance, as an example, summed up his career, 13 to 25 passing for 173 yards. So the, you know, less than 50% passing, but... He also threw for two touchdowns, including he fit you know a, a brilliant pass, 15-yard touchdown between two defenders to Amari Rogers. Also, two conversions, one through the air and one on the ground, ended up earning him MVP effort uh, in a you know in a losing effort there, ended up still winning MVP. Uh, so I think that says something there. And this is a guy who I thought really took a lot of strides, much like Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott did, you know, athletes who ultimately really turned into quarterbacks, you know, late in their career, um, you know, really saw the field a lot better as a passer, making better decisions. You know, he still has a lot of head scratching, you know, decisions though. So that's the thing that you really, you're going to have to work with him is just cut down on all these mistakes, you know, and, and be a, a consistent passer. And if you do that, he can end up being the surprise of this draft at that quarterback position. Staying in round three, you get Chaz Surratt, a guy who I think is versatile enough to either play inside or outside. Challenge Ryan Connolly for the will spot. Could potentially, you know, he's going to back up Eric Kendricks. Um, if Kendricks has any injury issues or anything like that, then Chaz Surratt could step in there. So I think, you know, Surratt is, is very versatile in that respect. Look, this is a guy, he was a quarterback at UNC and uh, moves to uh, inside linebacker after a sophomore season. 206 tackles, 22 going for loss, 22 and a half going for loss, excuse me, 22 and a half sacks, two interceptions, five pass breakups, and a pair of forced fumbles in two seasons in Chapel Hill. Uh, he, he's a guy who I think is still just scratching the surface on how good he could be. He plays so fast because he was a former quarterback. He sees the plays, diagnoses them in a hurry, flows to the football, makes a play, um, times his blitz as well, does a good job reading the quarterback when dropping into coverage. Um, I, I thought that was a great pick. And then they stay in round three. They get Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State, a road grader, a guy that's going to be really physical up front. I think he ultimately steals that that uh, starting spot away from Dakota Dozier, who really kind of struggled last season. They brought him back. I think Wyatt Davis is going to take over that starting spot there. Um, and then the final pick in round three, they get Patrick Jones out of Pittsburgh. When you look at it, you've got Neil Hunter. You've got Stephen Weatherly. Um, to get Patrick Jones, a guy who, you know, should, you know, really – I was expecting to be a, a, a day two pick. Some people did not have him um, coming off the board in day two, but I, I honestly thought that he was going to end up being a day two guy. And what you have here with uh, with Patrick Jones, he's a guy that actually teamed up really well and worked well with Rashad Weaver there um, with Pittsburgh. And so he's going to team with a guy like Daniil Hunter. So you kind of like that a little bit. This is a guy who... Um, has a nice array of pass rush moves, uh, can beat you with speed off the edge, offers a nice ripper uh, arm over, can also beat the oversetting offensive tackle with an inside move to the quarterback. 17 and a half sacks given up. Uh, I'm sorry, not given up, but 17 sacks recorded. Um, and then his performance during the Senior Bowl was really weird. During the practice, um, according to Pro Football Focus, his one-on-one -on -one win rate of 17% was the lowest among the edge rushers. When the lights were brightest, though, game time, man, this dude was a menace, racking up two sacks, four QB pressures, 
Um, I think he's going to provide some nice depth, 6'5", 260, decent length. So um, you know, Mike Zimmer loves those guys, those rangy defensive ends. Round four, Kenny Nwangwu out of Iowa State, I thought was a bit of a reach, a speedy back. You know, this guy wasn't even a starter there at Iowa State. You know, he was backing up Breeze Hall. Um, you know, he's a guy that uh, could end up being uh, challenge KJ Osborne in the kicking game. Maybe that's why he was brought in. Um, but he's gonna, I think he's gonna struggle to beat out Alexander Madison or uh, Amir Abdullah. I had him coming off the board in round seven. Uh, they get Cameron Bynum there in round four um, out of Cal. This is a guy, you know, who uh, started 42 games for the Bears. Um, so I, I think that was a nice pick. You got Janarius Robinson out of Florida, uh, Florida State, at pick number 134. That's the third of their fourth round picks. And he's a guy, he has, again, another guy who's a rangy defensive end. So you know exactly what, uh, what, what Zimmer is looking for, what Mike Zimmer likes. He's 6'5", 263, tremendous arm length. And a guy who was just, he was inconsistent. Um, you know, 20 and a half tackles for loss, eight sacks. And when you watched him play, there were some splash plays, but he just kind of left you wanting more. So you're hoping that they can get more out of him there in Minnesota. Round five, Amir Smith-Marset. I had a late day three grade on him. Um, he's explosive, um, a bit undersized, a guy that I think can get vertical. And look, if you turned in, uh, tuned into that uh holiday bowl performance that iowa had against U, uh, usc i think you really start to see what this guy can do he scored against the trojans um, with a, a reception a rushing touchdown and in the return game so that versatility is going to offer up some um, you know some of that um, capability there in minnesota uh, just 110 receptions for 1,615 yards and 14 touchdowns. I know Iowa likes to run the ball first, but you would have liked to have seen better production out of him as well. He's going to have to challenge uh, Olabisi Johnson, Chad Beebe to be that number three receiver, even KJ, Cost, uh, KJ Osborne. I just don't know that he has the chops to be able to do it. Um, I was actually expecting Minnesota to go after a receiver sooner um, and potentially target someone you know who could be a, a slot guy, um, you know, to complement uh, Jefferson and, and Thielen. In round five, the last pick is Zach Davidson there out of Central Missouri, uh, the tight end. This is a guy who I, I think is really athletic. You know, he's six five, uh, two hundred forty pounds. A guy that. Um, you know, to me, I, I really enjoyed watching him play for the Mules there of, of Central Mich uh, Missouri. If you haven't gotten to see him play, Google him, find his his highlights, see if you can get some of the cutups um, because he he really is a lot of fun to watch. Um, and a guy that, when I look at him and look at what he was able to do out there, um, you know, very athletic. And for a guy who's over six five, playing that tight end position. What you really saw out of him was his ability to make plays in space. You know, guy that uh, looked like a receiver at times. And yes, he's going up against inferior competition, but he ran routes really well, knew how to get himself open. Um, that was Those were some of the things that really jumped off for me. Um, just a very athletic tight end. And look, you know, you lost Kyle Rudolph. You've got, uh, you know, I, uh, Irv Smith on the roster and when you look at Zach Davidson I think he has a great chance to be a sleeper in this draft um, ultimately you know a, a guy that uh, 
Um, you know, 51 catches in his career, over 1,100 yards. You know, in, in 2019, that's really the year that he he kind of set the world on fire, um, and really had everyone take notice of him. 40 catches, 894 yards, and 15 touchdowns. Uh, again, a playmaker. I like him there in round five. I think he'll end up being the backup there to Irv Smith. And then, you know, finally with with Minnesota rounding out their draft picks. Uh, Minnesota ends up going after Jalen Twyman there, uh, pick number 199 overall. And Jalen Twyman, look, this is a guy who had the ability, you know, to potentially be a, a day two pick. He falls all the way to round six, and this is a guy, look, he was 6'1", 290. He's bulked up to 317. You know, he can rep out 225, 40 times, but he ran that 5'4", at his pro day. So clearly showed up, you know, um, you know just out of shape you know i i think because you know how do you run that 5 4 40 this is a guy when he was playing he was winning with that that burst off the football splitting uh the you know, double teams also showing power at the point of attack could collapse the pocket from the interior look 2019 he had 10 and a half sacks so you thought that he was going to be one of those top pass rushers along the interior if you can get him you know into into that playing shape uh, when you think about it, you've got Michael Pierce, Dalvin Tomlinson, and, and James Lynch on the interior of that line. Uh, you know, you add Jalen Twyman to that mix, and you can potentially have something from a pass rush standpoint. Uh, if you can get that in, in, interior pass rush, he's just got to make sure that he can prove that he's he's in shape. That could potentially end up being a steal when it's all said and done. Uh, Chicago, uh, I knew Chicago was going to have to trade up and, and get a quarterback. Ultimately, I, I didn't think that it was going to be Justin Fields. I thought ultimately they were going to end up getting Trey Lance. But they did trade up to get a quarterback, and this made so much sense in the world. Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace needed to get a quarterback. They needed to make a statement. It, ultimately, this is going to be their last hurrah. They finally moved on from Mitchell Trubisky. You've got uh, Andy Dalton and um, Nick Foles there on the roster. Those are perfect bridge quarterbacks, and, and this made a lot of sense in the world. I think Justin Fields... Look, this is a guy who you know has a chip on his shoulder. He wasn't considered as the number one guy. Um, really, it sounded like you know San Francisco. He was the third quarterback mentioned there, and you know it's really kind of surprising when you think about it. Um, you know there are all these other questions about this guy off the field and different things. You know, six three, two twenty seven. Uh, after moving on from Georgia to Ohio State, all this guy did, uh, you know, from a completion percentage. You know, look at Ohio State, nearly uh, what sixty eight. 0.4% passer, over 5,300 yards, 63 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. Um, you know, the biggest thing that you worried about was his his play against ranked opponents. All nine of those interceptions came against the ranked opponents. Um, so you wonder about his ability to see the defense. It seemed like he was getting fooled at times, um, but he knew where to go. You know, a lot of his throws were predetermined. It would be the, the number one receiver but you also saw a lot of plays where he would go through his progression to make those throws but those predetermined throws he was getting lucky getting by with his arm strength and his athleticism in the pocket that's not gonna have, he won't be able to do that at the next level so he's gonna have to watch out there but uh, a guy look you know he's tremendous off the field really helped the big tw- uh, big 10 get that momentum to ultimately get onto the field so uh you know bears get their guy you know they're at the quarterback position they get a steal there in round two in my opinion at 39 overall tevin jenkins i thought was going to be a first rounder this guy was tremendously physical if you saw him in that texas game it was a zone read outside zone he ends up taking Joseph Osai, who we've already talked about, 
and drove him down the line and then five yards up the field, takes him to the sideline and dumps him. And uh, I, I had said that Charles Leno was going to be a, a cap casualty, a guy that they were going to cut. And uh, sure enough, they released him. And uh, so Tevin Jenkins is going to take over a left tackle. And you're going to say, well, why is he going to be the left tackle when this is a guy who you know, was a right tackle at, at Oklahoma State? He was actually going to play left tackle in 2020 and ultimately had to move back to right tackle due to an injury. Love the pick. They don't have another pick until round number five. They get Larry Borum, who's going to be a kind of that swing tackle, potentially challenge uh, Elijah Wilkinson for that right tackle spot now that Bobby Massey's gone. Uh, round six, Caleb Herbert. I'm sorry, Khalil Herbert. And this is a dude um, I thought could potentially sneak into the late day two consideration. Um, ultimately falls to day, uh, day three. And uh, when you look at this running back group, I, I just don't think this is the right fit for, for uh, Khalil Herbert unless you're talking about potentially moving on from either Tari Cohen. You, know, you just brought in Damian Williams and you've got David Montgomery. I, I just wonder where the fit is going to be with him uh, more than anything else You know, in that stacked you know, running uh, running back group, you know, I, I just don't know where he's going to be able to, to see that see the field at the end of the day. I think I actually had him coming off the board in round four, looking at my 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 board now. So yeah, I did have Khalil coming off the board in round four. And what's funny is, is he spent four years at Kansas, finished his time with 17, uh, 1,700 yards on the ground, moves to Virginia Tech as a grad transfer, and in 2020 rushes for 1,183 yards, 7.6 yards per carry, showed that he can not only run with power, but also have the lateral agility to get outside. I like the player, I just don't know that I like the fit. Daz Newsom comes off the board in round six, and in Newsom, this is a guy who has a chance to see the field, uh, but again, this is a loaded receiver group, and when I say loaded, there's just a lot of guys there. You've got um, Allen Robinson, who uh, you know was that you know they used the franchise tag on? I, I would have liked to have seen them go with the receiver sooner because um, you got Darnell Mooney there in the slot. Demir Bird just um, signed uh, away from New England. Um, Anthony Miller, Riley Ridley, Javon Wims. Daz Newsom's a nice receiver. He's a nice prospect. Um, you know, a guy who look you know he and and uh, Deami Brown had a nice duo there for uh, Sam Howell. Um, 5'11", 190 pounds, over a thousand yards. Um, I just I wonder if he's going to be able to see the field. You know, that's really what I worry about there. Um, their last pick there in round number six is Thomas Graham Jr. out of Oregon. Um, and look, you know, he's a guy that's probably going to play in the slot. You've got Desmond Trufant and Jalen Johnson there on the outside. Artie Burns is your number three corner. I think Thomas Graham could potentially be a, a nickel. Um, you know, play inside there. And what you have in Thomas Graham is a guy who he did sit out 2020, um, and when he did play in the senior senior bowl, you saw him against uh, Demetric Felton. I mentioned those double moves that he had. He left Thomas Graham in the spin cycle, but what you do have is a guy who had is tremendously pro- productive and tremendously you know consistent with his his production. Eight interceptions, 32 pass breakups in his three seasons there in Eugene. I think he ends up making the roster. And then at number uh, number 250 overall is Kiaris Tonga out of BYU. I really like this dude. When you look at him, they've got Bilal Nichols and Eddie Goldman there at nose tackle. 
this is a guy who I think is going to end up making the roster very um, underrated athletically. Tremendous power, over 30 reps in, in the in the bench press at 225. Um, you know, a guy that was just a mainstay there for, for BYU up front. 16 tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks, 12 pass breakups. A guy who can be very disruptive up front. So I really do like that pick. You know, eventually if they do decide to move on from Eddie Goldman, this is a guy who can end up pushing for some playing time. I really believe that. So that's Chicago and really where Chicago's at. And then finally, that takes us to Green Bay. And Green Bay, look, you know, they had to battle the whole Aaron Rodgers story, wanting to be out of Green Bay there and, uh, you know, just not happy with, with the situation. And so Green Bay really had to battle that. And so you're thinking, well, surely they're going to go with a receiver, right? And so I was trying to to really predict this one. I think Green Bay is a little unpredictable. Nobody really saw Jordan Love coming. Um, and so you had to kind of think outside the box with Green Bay. And you're like, okay. The, first, you know, the last skill position player uh, on offense prior to Love was Aaron Rodgers in 2005. So it's really not out of the realm of possibility to see them take their first wide receiver in round one since Javon Walker in 2002. Thinking that, you know, that would make a ton of sense. Ultimately, they do get a guy in round three that I think is going to be a nice complimentary pick, but they reached for a corner in Eric Stokes, in my opinion. Ran that 4-2-9-40, which is nice. Had four interceptions, two of which, you know, he returned back uh, to the house. But when you have Green Bay, you've got Jair Alexander. You ended up re-signing... Uh, Kevin King and you brought him back I really thought that they were going to go after a guy that could end up taking over the nickel they needed an upgrade over Chandon Sullivan maybe that's where they're going to end up playing uh, Eric Stokes but I just he's going to maybe they're, they're looking at Kevin King and ultimately moving on from him Eric Stokes though 6'1 190 um, really a breakout 2020 season I just saw him as a day two guy uh, in round two I thought they, they took Josh Myers the center out of Ohio State Creed Humphrey was still there, and he's he's the best center in this draft, you know, in, in my opinion. I think really they, they like the system. They like the Ohio State centers. They already had Corey Lindsley. He moves on to the Chargers. They get it. Uh, Josh Myers, who's going to end up t- taking over as the starter there at center, um, you know, was a three-year starter for the Buckeyes. You know, I, I think he's a guy who's going to be a day one starter. I thought he was going to be a third-round pick. And when you have Creed Humphrey out there, it was kind of a strange pick there. Um Round three, you get Amari Rodgers. And this is where I, I get excited because with Amari Rodgers, this is a guy who he's built like a running back. You know, I mean, if you haven't seen Amari Rodgers play, he's 5'10", 210. And uh, he actually got, got to see some time at running back. When you look at this running back group, I mean, you've got Aaron Jones, and you've got A.J. Dillon, and, and Jamal Williams is no longer there. So you could potentially see um, Matt LaFleur get a little creative and put him into the backfield. Uh, a thousand yard rusher, I'm sorry, a thousand yard receiver in 2020. Um, you know, the Tigers could rely on his consistency, his reliable hands, his route running, suddenness in and out of his breaks. You know, he did tear his ACL um, and ultimately battled back, got his speed back up to it. Now that he's regained that lateral agility to really shake you in the open field, I think he's going to be a sleeper. Aaron Rodgers hasn't had a threat in the slot since Randall Cobb. So I think he'll be a nice complimentary receiver for Dante Adams. And then you have Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling there as well. You've got Robert Tanyan, who really proved himself as a tight end. Aaron Aaron Jones as a receiver out of the backfield. So I like the pick. Um, I I thought they were going to go a little bit sooner, and I would have liked to have seen them go after another receiver. They just didn't do that. Uh, Royce Newman 
Newman um, is a guy, he, he could be a tackle, could be a guard, um, could be that swing tackle, could potentially even challenge Billy Turner there at the right tackle position. Um, you know, I think ultimately he's going to kick inside the guard, potentially challenge Lucas Patrick for that right guard spot. Um, but uh, a guy, he held down that right tackle position there for Ole Miss, saw a lot of guys there um, up front. Um, and w- when you look at him, he's, he's got decent size um, overall, although I think he lacks some length. You know, the arm length isn't quite there. But, um, you know, he's 6'4 and 230, I'm sorry, 320 pounds. I think that's a nice a nice pick there in round four. Nice value for him. Uh, they get TD Slayton in round five. This is kind of a curious pick because I, I thought they were going to go with a, a five technique. Um, so this tells me that they might be looking to take Kenny Clark and move him to the five technique and have uh, TD Slayton line up as... Um, really line up as a nose tackle because that's really what he is. And he's a big dude. He's going to take up a lot of space. And when I say big dude, yeah, this dude is huge. Um, and uh, when when you watch TD Slayton play, um, you see the power, and that's really evident. Uh, power in his hands. Look, 6'5", 340 pounds. Um, he's aggressive, you know, especially with his hands. Uh, like I said, you know, does a good job taking away running lanes for the running back. Um, short area burst to pursue the ball carrier from behind can collapse the pocket with his power. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of, of TD Slayton. Um, he was a guy that was a lot of fun to watch there for Florida. Um, so I like that pick. Um, they get another corner in round five. I'm like, okay, Green Bay. Um, they finally get the guy though, who I think might end up being the answer there at the nickel. And that's Shamar Jean Charles out of Appalachian State, 5'11", 190 pounds. A guy whose 16 pass breakups led the FBS this past season. Round six, I thought there was a reach there for Cole Van Lannen. Um, you know, doesn't have ideal length at the tackle position. He's probably gonna kick inside the guard. Um, so that's probably where you're gonna see him um, see him play. Which you know leads me to believe that Royce Newman's probably they're targeting him to be that swing tackle. Um, Isaiah McDuffie, you know, look, they they also need need playmakers at that inside linebacker position. You've got Chris Barnes, Kamal Martin, Ty Summers, Oren Burks. Isaiah McDuffie's a, a volume tackler, a guy that can play sideline to sideline. Um, good instincts, over 100 tackles this past season. Um, but does he really move the needle there at inside linebacker for? Um, for Green Bay. I thought they could have gone after some of the inside backers earlier in the draft. Target Nick Bolton. I'm surprised they didn't. Um, and then in round seven, they get Kylan Hill out of Mississippi State. And this is a pick that I really like. I'm a big fan of Kylan Hill. This is a guy who was he was the bell cow there at Mississippi State. He was one of the leaders in the SEC on the ground, over a thousand yards in 2019. Mike Leach comes in, he changes his game up. Only played in three games in 2020 due to injury, but 23 receptions during that time. Also a good pass protector. He's the guy that's going to stick on this roster, end up being that number three running back in this group. Um, you know, but when you look at him, you know, with what Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon brings to the table, Kylan Hill may end up on another roster, but he's going to play in the league. I, I firmly believe that. I think he has some skill there at the running back position. So we got to pick up the pace a little bit because we still have two divisions to get through. Um, so the first one that we're going to go ahead and take a look at, obviously, is going to be the AFC West. And the first team that we have to talk about, if we're talking about the 
Uh, the AFC West has to be Denver. Vic Fangio fooled everyone. We thought that he was going to go inside linebacker. We thought he was going to go uh, Micah Parsons. Instead, he goes with the cornerback position. He goes Patrick Sertan. You, know, you can't really argue with, with Patrick Sertan too much here. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing that you're looking at is, is he wants to make sure that he's set on the outside and uh, you've got Ronald Darby and you've got you know, Kyle Fuller in there and um, you needed you know, Fuller and Darby, you've got a nickel, you've got a guy that can play on the outside and then with Patrick Sertan, you've got a guy who, look, you're going to have to take on Justin Herbert, you're going to have to take on uh, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, you need a, a solid secondary, that's really what... Um, Vic Fangio's wants, so it makes a lot of sense. You get a guy who, you know, I, I think one of the best pr uh, press cover corners in this draft. I worry about him a little bit in off coverage, but I, I, I can't get mad at that pick at all. You look at the running back position. You've got Melvin Gordon there, and you let Philip Lindsay go. Javante Williams, one of the more versatile backs in the draft. He's 5'10", 210 was the, the the thunder to Michael Carter's lightning there at UNC. Over a 1,000 yards on the ground. Has excellent hands as well. Love that pick. Round three, they go with Quinn Miners out of Wisconsin Whitewater. And I thought that he was going to end up being a second-round pick. So I think this is really nice value uh, in the third round for the Denver Broncos. And with Quinn Miners, very athletic. 6'3", 320 pounds. You watched him pull and would just destroy guys. Um very quick out of his stance, turns the corner in a hurry, and just does a great job finding defenders on the move. And when he arrives, he makes them pay, often in spectacular fashion. Uh, ran a 4.8640 at his combine, 171 10-yard split, 32-inch vertical leap. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll buy that for a dollar. Um, when you look at it, you, you look at Lloyd Cushenberry there at center. He's not going to take over the center position, but I'm looking at Austin Schlotman there at left guard. If I'm him, I, I worry about my, my starting spot. I think Quinn Miners is coming for his job. Um, in round three, they get Baron Browning out of Ohio State. I love this pick as well. A guy who's tremendously versatile there for Ohio State. He and Pete Werner were lining up. They didn't have to um, really take the linebackers off the field um, because they could end up lining in the slot and taking on receivers there. They lined up over running backs, tight ends. He has sideline to sideline ability, can play against the run, can rush the passer. I love that pick with Baron Browning because you look at Alexander John uh, Johnson and Josie Jewell, you, they didn't address the inside linebacker position. I think, you know, with Justin Sternod battling injury, if he can stay healthy, I think the future of that inside linebacker position is going to be Sternod and Baron, uh, Baron Browning. And then that takes us to the safety position. And we had two safeties taken off the board there in round number five. Caden Stearns and Jamar Johnson. And when you look at the safety position, Justin Simmons, the user franchise tag on him, Kareem Green getting up there in age. So you ultimately need to find the replacements. And what you have with, with Caden Stearns is a guy who just hasn't lived up to what he put forward in his uh in that freshman season was a freshman All-America. Everybody was talking about Caden Stearns and uh, a guy that just has disappointed ever since. Six foot, 207. He's tremendously athletic, 4'4", 40, 42-inch vertical leap. Um, you know, he's athletic, has really nice range. Can he replicate the production from that freshman season? He wasn't able to do that, that there at Texas, but you know, I think because of the athleticism, maybe they can get something out of him. And then you look at Jamar Johnson there out of Illinois, I'm sorry, out of Indiana. He was the first Hoosier uh, safety to be named first team all-conference um, since Eric Allen. 
you know, and so when you think about that, that's that's pretty darn impressive. Um, and a guy who I think you know, was rarely out of position, very quick with his transitions, uh, closes in a hurry and off coverage, had four interceptions, two of those against Justin Fields, um, you know, reads the quarterback's eyes, times his breaks on the football, does a really good job um, defending the pass. I like that pick. I think he'll end up being a starter when it's all said and done for Denver whenever uh, the dust settles there on the back end of the defense. Probably not this year, but um, be on the lookout for him. Tremendous value. Surprised that he fell to day three. Seth Williams falling to day three. Sixth round, big receiver. Not the, the fastest by any means. But you look at this receiving core, you have uh, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, Tim Tim Patrick and KJ Hamler. Uh, they didn't have the big body receiver. This is a guy, he's 6'3", 217, the master of the back shoulder throw. Um, he's a big dude. Um, I, I like the pick there. I think that's a nice nice pickup. You look at uh, Kerry Vincent in round number seven, the first of three seventh round picks. Sat out there uh, 2020 for LSU, but had four interceptions in 2019. Uh, a guy who could potentially uh, work in there at that corner position. You know, if uh, Darby and Fuller are one-year rentals, you could potentially look at Patrick Sertan, Michael Ojemudia um, as the, the corners on the outside with Bryce Callahan and Kerry Vincent potentially on the inside. Um, Jonathan Cooper, you know, this is a guy who I think is going to be an edge rusher, um, outside linebacker, got to showcase some of that um, at his pro day. And so I think he's a guy that's going to be one of those backups for Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb. And then finally, you've got Marquis Spencer. He's 6'4", 300 pounds. They're out of Mississippi State. Uh, a guy who I think is going to provide some depth up front. They've got Shelby Harris. They brought him back. They got Draymond Jones. But they needed another guy there at, at that five technique. And I think Marquis Spencer can absolutely be that guy. Um, I thought he was a guy that, that was productive. Um, for, uh, for Mississippi State. And uh, look, 23 tackles for loss, seven sacks in his career. Um, it was a fifth-year senior. He battled some injuries there, so I think that part of the injury concerns was why he fell all the way to round seven. But uh, a guy who's just a good football player and has a really good chance to make the roster. Uh, so that moves us on to the Las Vegas Raiders. And look, you know Mike Mayock and, and John Gruden, they, they always want to catch you off guard. You know, they, you always have to be on the toes when you're thinking of, of the, the Raiders. You know, they took Cleveland Furl at number four overall, which was kind of a head scratcher. Um, they, they end up taking Jonathan Abram, you know, the, the heat-seeking missile there at safety, who's battled some injuries. He kind of knew that was going to happen uh, early in his career. And uh, when you're looking at him, they go Alex Leatherwood, number 17 overall. Alex Leatherwood, I think everyone was expecting to be a day two pick. You watched him, the lack of foot speed was really exposed at the Senior Bowl. But look, this is a guy who also, you know, protected Mac Jones. He was, uh, you know, a guy that was a road grader, opening up a ton of holes there for Najee Harris. So I think that's really what they were looking for was a right tackle to complement Colton Miller and a guy that, yeah, he can open up a ton of holes there for Josh Jacobs running the football. What's interesting is, is they get the Outland Trophy Award winner and then they also go after the Thorpe Award winner in round two in Trevon Merrick. I thought Merrick was going to be the first round pick. I thought that would have been tremendous value. So to get him in round two, I thought was a tremendous pick. So it's one of those things to where you scratch your head with Alex Leatherwood. If he ends up panning out, then he's going to, you know, Mike Mayock and company are going to look like geniuses. But 
With, with Trevon Merrig, what you have here is a guy who can complement Jonathan Abram really well. Uh, six interceptions, 20 pass breakups, while also racking up over 100 tackles in the last two seasons there uh, at TCU. Uh, matches up even against the bigger tight ends. He's physical at the catch point, doesn't shy away from contact. It's going to come down and be a, a good wrap-up tackler. Uh, will take the improper angle to the football at times, can get out of position. Uh, but I love that pick there in round two. Round three, Malcolm Kuntz out of Buffalo. Edge rusher extraordinaire for the Buffalo Bulls. Um, a guy who I like, but I thought he was going to probably be a fifth-round pick. There are a lot of people that are talking about him. Hey, this is great value. Thought maybe you could go in the second round. You know, look, you know, Malcolm Kuntz, he's 6'2", 250. Um, I thought that, you know, really he's kind of that tweener. Is he going to end up being a 4'3 defensive end? I thought he could get engulfed at the point of attack at times. Could he potentially transition and play in space? You know, but look, the production, you can't argue with that in the MAC. Uh, 22 and a half tackles for loss, 17 sacks. You know, look, you know, Malcolm Kuntz, you needed to address that pass rush. You know, get somebody to, to help out Max Crosby. Uh, you bring in Yannick Ngakwe. Maybe the, that can kind of help jumpstart Cleveland Furl a little bit. So Malcolm Kuntz, good depth. I just thought he was a day three guy. Um, they bring in Divine Diablo in round number three, 80 overall out of Virginia Tech. So you go Kuntz at 79, Diablo at 80, and Diablo... When you're looking at the safety position, you know I think Diablo could he be a, a guy that could fill in for Jonathan Abram? Sure, but he's 6'3", 226 pounds. He's kind of that new age linebacker, um, a guy that I think is going to end up probably being a will. So I, I think you bring him in there. And Corey Littleton, he was kind of shaky at times, but you know now he's got Gus Bradley's cover three defense. You know he's going to get a chance to redeem himself. But I really like Divine Diablo. I think he's a guy that could end up you know, if Corey Littleton gives him that uh, any avenue for him to get out there on the field, I think he's going to take advantage of it. You know, look, you know, he was playing safety there for, for Va Tech at 6'3", 226, by the way. 20, uh, 206 tackles, 12 and a half going for loss, six interceptions and 11 pass breakups. Tremendously productive. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they use him. I think Tyree Gillespie out of Missouri, another guy that they brought in there in the fourth round. Um... You know, this is a guy I think I think they are worried about uh, the durability of Jonathan Abram. So what you get in, in Tyree Gillespie is a guy who played well for the Missouri Tigers, was a, a three-year starter for them. I thought he could potentially be as high as a, a third-round pick. So the fact that the Raiders were able to wait and get him in round number four I thought was a, a pretty nice haul for them. Um, and what you do have in, in Gillespie, 6'1", 210. Um, 12 pass breakups, six tackles for loss. Uh, so a guy that can play in coverage and uh, also behind the line of scrimmage. And, and what you have with him is a guy that was able to win at times when he battled uh, Kyle Pitts in coverage and also took on Najee Harris in the ground game. So a lot of experience, like I said, for Mizzou against SEC opponents. Don't hate the pick. Uh, round five, they go a corner, Illinois' Nate Hobbs. To me, there were other guys that were out there. This was going to be a guy that I thought was a borderline pick, possibly a an undrafted free agent. Um, they needed a corner to go with uh, Trayvon Mullen. They've got Damon Arnett. Um, they did bring in Casey Hayward to kind of lessen the blow a little bit. Um, I thought they waited a little long, and, and Knight Hobbs was kind of a questionable pick there. Then they go with the Burlesworth Award winner, the former walk-on, uh, Jimmy Morrissey out of Pittsburgh, number 230 overall. Um, Andre James, Nick Martin are the centers. I really thought they were going to go guard. Richie Incognito, um, you know, isn't getting any younger. 
Um, you've got John Simpson, Denzel Good. You'll probably go with a, with a, a guard unless they're going to take Andre James and kick him outside uh, to that guard position. Nick Martin, to me, feels like the starter. So kind of a curious pick there at the end of the draft. But uh, we'll kind of have to see how all of that plays out. So that is our Raiders selections. So we're going to go ahead and move on from that. If I can get my computer to work here. The next group that we're going to really take a look at are the Los Angeles Chargers. In Los Angeles, look, they needed an offensive lineman. Um, I think everyone was expecting. I thought it was a great fit if they got Rashawn Slater. They end up getting Rashawn Slater. That's who I have penciled in there. He's already penciled in as their starter at left tackle. And look, you know, all you have to do is take the film and, and put on uh, 2019 against Chase Young, and you'll see exactly what we're talking about in terms of why uh, Rashawn Slater has a chance to be special for the Chargers and why uh, Justin Herbert has to be ecstatic to get him coming off the board there um, with the 13th overall pick. With Slater, um, just you know, the, the technique is absolutely there. You see the hand usage, his, his ability to bend, such an easy mover, a sub 540, um, and you know, the ability to rep out, you know, over 225, you know, 36 times. Um, dude is just absolutely a, a beast, and he's so much fun. You know, that five position versatility, he can play anywhere on the line. And so I, I love that pick. They needed a corner as well in round two. Casey Hayward, uh, no longer on the roster. You've got Michael Davis. You've got Chris Harris. Asante Samuel has the ability to play both in the slot and on the outside. Um, at one point, I thought Asante was going to end up coming there to, to the Chargers there at 47 overall. Ended up moving away. Had him move down about six spots. But um, I actually think I, uh, I had Eric... Uh, Stokes coming to them um, but what you have with Asante again the, the bloodlines his dad played in the league high football IQ tremendous ball skills fluid athlete sticks to his man in coverage um, does a good job locating the football doesn't wait any uh, waste any movement when he's driving on the football to make a play as well love the pick there for the Chargers in round two round three they pick up Josh Palmer I'm not a huge fan of his he's 6'2 6'3 210 pounds did average 21 yards per catch in 2018. Battles to make consistent quarterback play. I, I just I, I think third third round was probably a little high. Same goes for for Trey McKitty. I, I think though what they were looking for, they've got Jared Cook who's going to take over Hunter Henry, and I think Trey McKitty is going to take over the spot that Virgil Green played. It wasn't asked to do much as a receiver in college either at Georgia or Florida State, um, so. I, I think that's ultimately the role that they're looking to have him fill. Great pick in round four in Chris Rumpf. You know, obviously you need to get another pass rusher to help out Joey Bosa with Melvin Ingram not on the roster. Uh, and Chris Rumpf, all he did was improve his sack total um, year after year. So I, I thought that was really a nice pick. Uh, a guy who's also bulked up. Um, he was only uh, 226 pounds when he played. He's bulked up to 244. Uh, 17 and a half sacks, including eight this past season there. Four um, for the, the Blue Devils, uh, you get Brendan James in round five, another tackle there out of Nebraska. Um, he's going to provide some depth, be a nice 
a swing tackle, could also potentially play inside a guard. Uh, round six, Nick Neiman. Look, when you run a sub 4 five forty, you're going to tend to get, to get noticed. I think he'll be a special teams ace for them, at least early on. Larry Roundtree, look, the Chargers have done a tremendous job getting running backs lately uh, uh, in the draft. You've got Justin Jackson, who they got in the seventh round, Joshua Kelly in the fourth, and Larry Roundtree, look, for Mizzou, you know, Larry Roundtree was the was the best running back in the SEC that nobody talked about. 5'11", 2'11", um, 3,700 yards on the ground, 40 touchdowns, 47 receptions. Versatile, productive. Yeah, you know, he he may not make the roster because, you know, of the other running backs there at the position. Chargers do a great job, though, finding these gems. You know, with that running back position, even though he may not find the home there, he's going to play in the league. I, I firmly believe that. Round seven, 241 overall, they get a safety in Mark Webb at Georgia. Now, this was a guy who played at safety, played a little bit at corner, will offer up some versatility, potentially be a special teams guy. He's going to really have to work to make the roster, though. Um, so that's the Chargers. KC, look, you know, KC, what they did with, with their draft, you know, they, they, they started off by trading away the first round pick and getting an offensive uh, offensive tackle in Orlando Brown. And obviously, they, they needed to protect Patrick Mahomes. So what do they do this offseason? They get Joe Tooney to play left guard, Austin Blythe at center, uh, Kyle Long at right guard. They bring back Mike Remmers. And oh, by the way, they get uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, the doctor who ultimately uh, comes back after uh, treating COVID-19 uh, in 2020. In round two, they get Nick Bolton. I knew they were going to go uh, with the linebacker here. You've got Anthony Hitchens. you got Willie Gay. They needed that, that third linebacker with uh, Damian Wilson gone. Nick Bolton is a chase linebacker. Uh, Three-year starter there from Mizzou. Love the pick at 58 overall. And then it's 63. How in the world is Creed Humphrey still on the board at pick number 63 overall? Um, this is a guy... Orlando Brown had to have something to do with this pick. When you think about what Creed Humphrey meant for OU... Comes in as a freshman, uh, blocking for Kyler Murray. He's got four guys on that offensive line. It's a Joe Moore Award uh, winning offensive line for the best O-line. Biggest trophy you've ever seen. Uh, but they have Brown at left tackle. The guards were Drew Samia and Ben Powers and Cody Ford at the right tackle. All guys playing in the league. And you've got freshman Creed Humphrey. More than held his own with that group. They all leave and go to the league as a sophomore block for Jalen Hurts. He's got to bring in and break in four new starters. He does a tremendous job with that. Then he gets to block for Spencer Rattler as a junior, former wrestler, understands leverage, you know, pretty good athlete in his own right as well. Love the pick there. Round four, you get Joshua Kando, a big rangy defensive end. Um, you know, Frank Frank Clark needs some help at the edge rush position. I thought they reached for Joshua Kando though. Um, you know, late day three guy in my eyes. Um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Tano Passignon with his size. Uh, round five, they get an athletic tight end, Noah Gray. Um, you know, a guy who stretched defenses a little bit there for uh, the Duke Blue Devils. Um, not much of a, a guy in terms of blocking, but he's going to be a really nice receiver. He's a little undersized, 6'3", 240. Um, over 100 catches in his career, 948 yards and eight touchdowns. Uh, Cornell Powell out of Clemson. You know, this is a, a guy who bided his time behind a lot of receivers, really took advantage of that. A guy that can definitely get vertical, a guy that can play in the slot or on the outside, uh, a guy who can ultimately fill that number four receiver spot. Uh, you got 
Tyreek Hill, Mikael Harmon, Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, and, and Cornell Powell battle for that number four receiver spot after that. And then they get tremendous value getting Trey Smith there in round number six. You know, you, you've, you've really bolstered that line. Uh, Trey Smith, you know, I think everybody thought he was going to be a, a, a second-day pick. Um, but with all the concerns with the medicals that are well documented, with the blood clots and everything else, that's why he falls to round six. He's a guy who has experience at tackle, but he's going to be an inside, you know, inside guy. Kyle Long is coming back after uh, retirement, so he, he's a nice insurance policy to have in the event anything, you know, the the Kyle Long experience doesn't work out. I mentioned Austin Blythe there at center. Creed Humphrey's going to end up taking over that job and be the Week One starter when it's all said and done. Now we're finally going to get to the NFC West. Got a little bit of time left before we wrap things up, so. We'll go ahead and move on to San Francisco, the 49ers. And this was the team that had everybody's fooled with that smoke screen, talking about Mac Jones. I fell for it myself. And I think really the biggest thing was trying to match wits with Kyle Shanahan. And I needed to look at my draft, the very first draft that I put together. 12 overall, I had the 49ers taking Trey Lance. And what I said was, Kyle Shanahan, yes, he's had these other guys in the experience of my, uh, with Matt Ryan uh, and, uh, and um, Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, those style of quarterbacks. But he's a, a smart guy, um, really known for being that offensive genius and a guy that is going to move with the times. And that's really what he's going to target. And I think Trey Lance, you worry about him at that quarterback position because, you know, you know there are a lot of guys that haven't played in very many games, less than 20, 20 games. And, uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill, Cam Newton, Kyler Murray, the good. The bad, when it gets bad, it's really bad. Mark Sanchez, Dwayne Haskins, Mitchell Trubisky. You know, just think about that. You know, those are some guys that you really worry about. But with Trey Lance, he's got the big arm, um, very athletic, over, you know, 1,100 yards on the ground as a redshirt freshman, 28 touchdowns, zero interceptions, um, the big arm, um, the athleticism. Um, you hope that he can see the field a little bit. You know, can he go through progressions on a consistent basis? You saw him do it, but not on a consistent basis quite as much. So you want to see him do a little bit more of that. But, you know, they get their receipt, their quarterback. It'll only be a matter of time before he ends up taking the job from Jimmy Garoppolo. In round two, they reached for, for Aaron Banks. You know, I like Aaron Banks there out of Notre Dame, but I thought they reached a, a little bit. I had him coming off the board in round three to the 49ers. Um, I think he'll end up being the starter opposite Lakin Tomlinson. Um, 6'5", 330, big physical dude. I thought they reached again um, with both of their round three picks. I had Trey Sermon coming off the board in round four. Um, really more of a, a straight line runner. Doesn't have a ton of wiggle, but look, you know, he was a different back at Ohio State. 331 yards on the ground. I thought that that the, the 49ers were going to go after a bigger back. They've got Jeffrey Wilson, Raheem Mostert, Wayne Gallman on the roster. Bigger back. I actually thought they were going to go Ramondre Stevenson. They end up going with Trey Sermon. So I, I like the pick. Just thought that it was a little early. Ambry Thomas was a was really one that kind of came out of left field. Um, I, I thought that they could have targeted a corner in round two. You got Jason Verrett, Dante Johnson, Emmanuel Mosley, Kwan Williams. Doesn't really move the needle. And Ambry Thomas, a guy who I thought wasn't you know he. 
he's a decent corner, but you know, just like anybody, any of the corners coming out of Don Brown's offense, whether our defense, whether it was David Long or Lavert Hill, very handsy corners, and Ambry Thomas is no different. Sat out 2020, um, so I thought he was a guy that could have come off the board round five-ish. Uh, Jalen Moore out of Western Michigan, uh, a tackle who could play guard. So he has that versatility. You know, he can line up, you know, back up Trent Williams, back up Mike McGlinchey, be that swing tackle possibly. He'll battle Colton McKivitz for that, um, but could also kick inside the guard. So uh, nice depth. Um, Diamador Lenore out of Oregon. I, I honestly thought that this, this guy got exposed. Um, I, I thought that he's really going to have to work hard to end up getting uh, – making a roster spot in my opinion he'll end up having to to earn his way on in uh, special teams uh, a guy who's under six feet tall he's 5'10 199 um, yes he has some of the productions six interceptions and 21 pass breakups but to me I thought that he was he was the guy that was getting beat like a drum there for for the the Oregon Ducks um, in round five at number 180 overall Talanoa Hufunga out of USC. This guy, a heat-seeking missile, knows for the football, uh, takes great angles going to the football, but he was a guy that always played out of control. His junior season, he put it all together. You know, the team captain had four interceptions, um, you know, really did a much better job reading the quarterback on the back end of the defense because he could already blitz and, and rush the quarterback, could make plays sideline to sideline. Um, you know, Hufunga just always seemed to be you know, around the football. You know, f- number 15, you know, he, he had the hair that looked like Troy Polamalu. He flowed all over the place. Um, and, and when you look at him, you know, look, in, in three seasons for the Trojans, 203 tackles, 16 and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks, four interceptions, eight pass breakups, four forced fumbles, playmaker, playmaker, playmaker. But look, he, he was, when he played reckless and out of control, he missed games, only played in eight games as a freshman and 10 games as a sophomore because of the injuries, but uh, definitely a fun player to watch. And then in round six, Elijah Mitchell, you know, a guy that ran in the four threes, you know, four three three in his pro day there at, at uh, uh, Louisiana, a guy that could you know run between the tackles a little bit as well. He's 5'11", 210. Um, you know, I just don't know if he's going to have a roster spot. You know, there are a lot of guys there at that running back's position. Um, if he stays on the team, he'll probably end up being a, um, a practice squad guy. But I ultimately think that Elijah Mitchell is going to end up on a different roster and ends up making the team. Over 3,200 yards on the ground. Ended up going over 1,000 yards there in 2019. 41 touchdowns, 49 receptions. Um, and with those 49 receptions, 12.2 yards per reception, um, I, I like Elijah Mitchell a lot. So I, I think he'll end up finding a spot there um, at the next level. Arizona, good lord, Arizona. They they end up going with Zayvon Collins with with their first round pick. I thought they were going to go corner to replace Patrick uh, Patrick Peterson. They end up not doing that. They opted to go ahead and get another linebacker, kind of replace Hassan Reddick. And, and look. If you listen to my podcast, you know how I feel about David Collins. He's my favorite linebacker. Intelligent guy was a valedictorian at Hominy High there in Hominy, Oklahoma. Um, you know, look, you're going to see 25 make plays all over the field. Sideline to sideline ability, takes great angles to the football, um, plays fast. You know, he's 6'4", 260, bulked up to 271. Um, and, and a dude that just, he, he he's instinctive. You know, he can rush the quarterback, have four sacks and four interceptions. Um, which you don't see uh, at that linebacker position. And look, 
game changer? Absolutely. The pick six against Tulane. 96 yard walk off pick six in overtime to win it for the Golden Hurricane. Uh, you know, Zayvon Collins absolutely, you know, 16th overall pick. Thought it might have been a little bit high, but I'm not going to argue with it at all. At 49 overall, you get Rondell Moore. You know, you've got AJ Green and Andy Isabella, Christian Kirk to compliment DeAndre Hopkins. You need a guy that's going to push vertically. Uh, Rondell Moore is going to be a beast in the slot. Uh, the biggest thing is, is can he stay healthy? You know, this is a guy after his freshman season, 114 receptions, over 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns, freshman All-America honors. Couldn't couldn't stay healthy in those last two seasons. But look, you know, he's a, he's a big ball of muscle, 400-pound bench press, 600-pound squat. Um, the medicals are really the biggest issue there, but he could potentially end up being a steal there for Arizona in round two. They finally get their corner in round four. You know, Marco Wilson, inconsistent play, but ran in the four threes. Um, Vincent Demuka, Victor Demukaje there out of Duke uh, came off the board in round number six. I think that's probably about the right value for Victor. And look, he was a guy at times, you know, was more um, consistent putting pressure on the quarterback than his running mate um, in uh, Chris Rump. Demukaje, he's um, 6'1", 262. Uh, 32 tackles for loss, 21 and a half sacks. Um, so I think he provides some nice depth there at the, um, the defensive end position. The question is, is really where is he going to play it? Um, you know, that was the big thing that I was trying to figure out because of his size. You know, where, where does he fit? Well, Marcus Golden is 6'2", 260. So I think they really found the, the type of player that they like there at that edge rusher position. Um, they get Tate Gowan out of UCF. He's a big corner, 6'2". Um, sat out this past season. I actually like him um, better than, I, than Marco Williams. I'm sorry, Marco William, uh, Wilson, to be honest. In round seven, they get James Wiggins out of Cincinnati. He could potentially be a steal. He's battled injuries. I think if he can stay healthy, he'll end up being the strong safety next to Buda Baker. Um, I was actually trying to, to will him into being a second round pick because I'm a big fan of his. I'm not second round, but second day pick. Uh, 5'11", 209, uh, ran a, uh, you know, this is a guy, you know, he was he, high football IQ, reads the defense, or reads the offense quickly, um, really does a good job setting the back end and setting the tone there. Um, he's going to come up and, and hit you, um, does a good job playing the football as well. Um, Look, you know, tore his ACL at the beginning of the 2019 season, rehabbed the injury in five months, but then he tore his meniscus falling down a flight of stairs. Shows up at his pro day, though, to show that he's an elite athlete. 4-4-4-40, 38-inch vertical leap, bench press 225 20 times. I think he can be a starter if he can stay healthy. And then Michael Mennett, the center, you know, he's ultimately coming over. Um... I think he'll end up being the backup center there to Rodney Hudson. Um, you know, if he does make the roster, I think he'll have he'll have an uphill battle there. Um, you know, I think Lamont Gaylord, uh, Gaylord is really the guy that he's going to have to battle. Um, the Rams didn't have a first round pick. I like the Hall overall with with what they did. Wanted to see them go linebacker first, and if they were going to go receiver. Would have liked to seen them go with someone other than Tutu Atwell, to be honest with you. Um, you know, they have Deshaun Jackson as a vertical threat. Tutu Atwell quicker than he is fast. He's a little dude. He's 5'7". Um, I, I think of Tavon Austin. If I'm a Ram fan, I, I have flashes of, T, of, uh, of Tavon Austin in my head. 
you know, this is a guy, he, he did lead the ACC in 2019 in, in uh, receiving with uh, 1,276 yards. Um, I just, I, I worry about the size. I worry about him turning into another table in Austin. Uh, Ernest Jones there, uh, inside backer. It could have had Jabril Cox. I thought that was going to be the best fit for the Rams. Ernest Jones is a guy that I, I think he's decent. I think he's a guy that uh, can control the, the middle of that defense. I thought that's what he did for uh, for South Carolina. Did it well. He was a three-year starter. Um, 6'1", 230 pounds. Uh, Ten and a half tackles for loss. Um, right around 200 tackles, uh, had five pass breakups in 2019, which really was his best year. Had 97 tackles on that. Uh, um, I just, I thought that, you know, Jabril Cox would have been a nice get for them. But, at, you know, that being said, I think Ernest Jones, uh, he and Micah Kaiser are going to end up being those the inside linebacker duo, uh, you know, along with Kenny Young. Bobby Brown the third, you know, look, 6'4", 325. He's going to be a guy that I think is going to end up pushing Ashawn Robinson for playing time uh, opposite uh, Aaron Donald there at that five technique. Could also end up kicking inside and being a nose tackle as well, so we offer some of that versatility. Um, but with Bobby Brown, I expected him to be off the board in, in round number four. And you know, this is a guy that, you know, five and a half sacks this past season. Uh, can collapse the pocket from the interior, powerfully built, anchors well at the point of attack, generates a ton of push up front, plays with leverage, has really long arms as well. So I like the pick there for the Rams. Uh, they get Robert Rochelle with their second, fourth round pick, 6-2 corner, uh, 10 interceptions, 25 pass breakups there at uh, Central um, Central Arkansas. He'll be the number three corner after Jalen Ramsey and, and Darius Williams for sure. Um Jacob Harris, a 6'5 receiver, you know, former soccer player. Uh, he, he didn't play a whole lot there for UCF. I, I think he's going to ultimately bulk up and be a tight end. Um, I just, I don't know that he's going to make the roster, you know, to be completely honest with you. Ernest Brown, the fourth, is going to be a guy that's going to push for playing time there at defensive end. He's another guy that was kind of a curious pick. I thought that uh, taking him in round number five was a bit of a reach. Um, so that was one that was, uh, it was a little weird. I, I thought that he was a decent player there at Northwestern, but I still considered him a role player. 6'4", 270, did have 18 and a half tackles for loss and seven sacks. Um, Jake Funk, they're out of, uh, out of Maryland. If Jake Funk can stay healthy, I think he'll end up making the roster as, as potentially that number three running back behind Cam Akers and uh, Daryl uh, Henderson. He's 5'10", 205. Um, look, you know, 60 carries, 516 yards, 8.6 yards per carry, and three touchdowns through five games with the Terps. But look, you know, he, he, you know, prior to the 2020 season, he'd only played in three games. I'm sorry, in five games. So you worry about um, him staying healthy. But if he can, I think he'll make the roster. They take Ben Skoranek, the wide receiver out of Notre Dame, uh, 249 overall. Another big-bodied receiver. Um, you know, he, he has excellent hands. Another guy who could potentially be a tight end. Um, but the guy that I'm, you know, was most excited about for the Rams, taking this guy late um, because they need another edge rusher. They need another guy to complement um, Leonard Floyd. At one point I had... Um, at one point I, I had... Uh, Chris Rumpf penciled in there to the Rams. And ultimately... I had to move that because I thought, you know, Chris Rump, third round pick, 
um, was really where I had him penciled in. But Chris Garrett out of Concordia, 6'4", 245. This is the dude, 48 and a half tackles for loss, 36 and a half sacks. And look, you know, he's 6'4", 245. I think this is a guy that's going to stick. If you listen to a couple of my podcasts before, I was talking about him. Didn't think he was going to get drafted. Um, thought he was going to be an undrafted free agent, but I love the pick there for the Rams. And look, the Rams didn't take any offensive linemen. And at the end of the day, I think what they're looking at is, is you know, you've got Andrew Whitworth at left tackle. I think they're counting on uh, Joseph Noteboom and Bobby Evans to end up really shouldering the load there at left tackle. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the Rams do there um, with their offensive line, but I, I would have liked to have seen them also address that center position. They've got Brian Allen there. Uh, they lost Austin Blythe. I think they, they need to address uh, the interior of that line a little bit, and uh, the Rams just didn't really do that. Which takes us to Seattle, and that's our final team there. They only had three picks in the draft. What they did do there at number uh, with uh, 56 overall, thought they were going to go with uh, alignment of some sort. Um, because you have Mike Upati, who uh, who retired, and you've got Dwayne Brown, who's getting a little young in the tooth. I'm sorry, old in the tooth. Um, you know, Russell Wilson, look, you know, this is a guy who's been sacked and been hit more than any other quarterback, and he's been frustrated about that. That's why he's been kind of disgruntled. You know, you've got Brandon Schell at right tackle. You traded for Gabe, Gabe Jackson to play right guard, and Damian Lewis uh, taking over that left guard spot. So I guess they felt that they were tempered things a little bit there. You get a speedster like Dwayne Eskridge to play in the slot with DK Metcalf and Tyler uh, Tyler Lockett. So I like that pick. He's a guy that can separate a little bit. Really a nice route runner coming out of Western Michigan. In round four, you get Trey Brown. It's the corner out of Oklahoma. Not really the, the big corner that you normally see out of, uh, out of Seattle. Uh, he's only 5'10", has decent ball skills, really short arms. I mean, you're talking about guys with length there at uh, uh, at Seattle. And so Trey Brown kind of bucks that trend a little bit. Um, so I thought that was a little interesting. Maybe a guy that they might consider playing in the slot. Um, had you know, three interceptions this past season, 31 total pass breakups. So a guy that knows how to make plays on the football. And then Stone Forsyth at number 208 overall. This is a guy who I think is flying under the radar a little bit. Some people thought he was going to be a late day three guy. Um, I think he has a chance to potentially start. You know, He'll probably be a swing tackle at least starting out. But I think he could potentially push for for playing time and push for uh, a starting spot down the road. Um, athletic, you know, he, he's six six, over three hundred pounds, light on his feet, um, can bend a little bit for a guy his size. So, you know, I, I don't hate the pick. Um, you know, they ultimately get to address that offensive line, which is ultimately what, uh, what Russell Wilson's looking for. They also give him a weapon in the passing game. I think they needed to get a third receiver, so that made a lot of sense there as well. So. That's Seattle. We've now made it through all 259 picks in the NFL draft. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up episode 37. Next time, what we'll be doing is taking a look at those undrafted free agents. Who's going to end up making a mark there? And we'll also play by the numbers, take a look at how I did with the the numbers overall. And then one final podcast, we'll take a look at the 22 Uh, The 2022 draft, look ahead just a little bit. Talk about that 2021 college football season, who to be on the lookout for. You got Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge rusher. Uh, You've got, you know, a a ton of quarterbacks that you could potentially be talking about, you know, with Sam uh, Howell to Phil Dracovic to to Keaton Slovis to, of course, Spencer Rattler coming out of OU. Um, 
Who's the top running back coming off the board? Has to be Brees Hall. Um, are there any offensive tackles that really you know uh, are going to be the next Panay Sewell? Probably not, but there are a few names to, to be on the lookout for there as well. Uh, obviously, Derek Stingley is going to be the top corner, probably going to be a, a top top three, top five pick. So we'll get into that as well to wrap up things for the 2021 podcast series. So for now, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. But uh, hopefully you'll stay tuned and, and check in uh, in a couple of days when we do our next podcast. So for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast, and I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your week. And until next time, I am out of here.